Hey everyone, and welcome to The Pod and the Pendulum, the horror movie podcast that discusses all of the franchises, one movie and one episode at a time. And happy Halloween! As we drop this episode, it is officially Halloween, the spookiest day of the year. So if you are listening to this as it drops, thank you so much for making us part of the greatest day of the year. Uh, This week, we have done it. We have reached the end of our journey through Saw. We have packed our bags and we are leaving the hellscape that is Saw City. And you know what? I think we have earned a little bit of a vacation. I think it's time for us to maybe travel south of the border, get a little rest, a little relaxation in. Let's head down to Mexico. You know, what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. I think it's <laughs> all going to be okay. It's all going to be, think, yeah, just fine. We might go visit Sammy Hagar, go to Cabo, maybe blame him for ruining Van Halen. <laughs> it's going to be I'll quite a trip. <laughs> sing that Nerf Herder song to him over and over. Oh, that song is so fucking good. I should throw that song on the board uh, and just that will be the podcast. Anyway, I know when I want to undergo some off the books exploratory surgery, there is no one else I want to have by my side than this crew. That's so, concerning. <laughs> up first, she literally wrote the book on exploratory surgery and the torture port subgenre. And she also writes for Ghouls Magazine, Miss Ari Hellraiser. Ari, how are we? Super stoked to finally, finally talk about this movie. Yeah. I have to cajole you into more franchises. Like, what <laughs> other series do you like so you don't leave us? You know? I'm not going to leave. Yeah. Then if you're like, Leprechaun, hey. I'll be like, oh, it's been a good run, Ari. Nice. I floated the human centipede the other week. Will, it's a franchise. It legally is a franchise. Uh, Brian is going to quit the podcast. Uh. I just remain quiet on the ones I'm not gonna be on for. It's all right. <laughs> Leprechaun is amazing. I've never seen any it's of them. Me either. I would do Leprechaun just yeah. to watch them for the first yeah. time. What if we just trick Brian into watching like 90 minutes of Lucky Charm commercials? And tell him <laughs> it's a Leprechaun movie. It's kind of fun. Excellent. Right. Also joining us tonight, you just heard her there from the Bodies of Horror podcast. Her third, fifth trip to Saw, leaving Saw City now. Toot toot, Mr. Cole Goble. Nicole, how are we? I am feeling like I just came out of anesthesia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and feeling great, ready to talk about this excellent bonkers film. Excellent. Coming back again. From Bloody Disgusting in the Movies for Life podcast, Mr. Brian Kuyper. Brian, how are we doing tonight? Well, I feel like I'm still under anesthesia. It's been a day, but hey, I'm ready. I am ready. I am ready. right there with you. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll jump in as best I can. Um, Mr. Snoonian is taking a sick day tomorrow. <laughs> I wish I could. There. I took one on Monday because I... Hurt myself a little bit, but I'm oh, good. Wow. Now. I'm good now. Yeah, a couple you... of ribs went out of joint, according to my chiropractor. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, I was going to suggest you can throw yourself down some stairs and take tomorrow <laughs> off. 
Listeners, uh, do not take our medical advice. No, <laughs> do not, no. do not do that. We're so, not doctors, and we don't play one no. on podcast either. Right, we're not <laughs> grifters either. Well, let's not <laughs> speak for ourselves. <laughs> so, usually, this is where we we have our initial thoughts, but where this movie is so new, I think we're gonna just kind of roll that into the movie discussion and we're just going to jump right into the background and Ari if it's all right I will take this part over tonight please I got the notes on it run it run it for us got it so in terms of Saw 10 coming together uh, ahead of Spiral's release there was already talk of a 10th Saw film and by April of 2021 about a month ahead of Spiral from the Book of Saw coming out the film was in kind of pre-production although like the direction the series was going to move in wasn't known at the time like it really hinged on the success of spiral like whether or not they would still tell more tales like from the book of saw or whether uh they would kind of go back in time and bring like jigsaw and company back well as we all know with like the box office underperformance of spiral the decision was made like let's bring the series back to its roots and give the longtime fans the comfort food that they really wanted. Things were quiet for over a year until August 2022, when a director and a date were announced for the next installment. Saw 10 was to come out originally on October 27th, 2023, and Kevin Gruter was announced to return behind the camera after directing Saw 6 and Saw the final chapter back-to-back a decade prior, over a decade prior. Uh, Saw franchise producing shepherds Mark Berg and Oren Kools uh, would be back overseeing everything behind the scenes, and upon the announcement, they told Bloody Disgusting, we've been listening to what the fans have been asking for and are hard at work planning a movie that saw aficionados and horror fans alike will love. Uh, and what saw fans wanted was Barbie. And so they produced <laughs> Barbie. That's not, not I, the, the thing that made me the happiest when this movie was announced was Kevin Gruter at the helm. Mm-hmm. Like I was excited to have Tobin Bell back. I was excited to have Shawnee Smith back when they eventually announced that. But I was like, I trust Kevin G to run like run a fun ride and so i was even after the final chapter yeah because like we talked about i feel like a lot of the things that went wrong with that weren't really his fault okay like the sixth movie was really his and it's one of my favorites so i was like i trust you were you as excited for spiral before it came out knowing darren lynn bousman was coming back after he had done two three and four I think I was just super excited for Spiral, not because of the director necessarily, but I do love the creative consistency throughout the franchise. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they're bringing mm-hmm. in someone who knows what's up. Okay. And I was just excited to get another Saw movie. Got it. Okay. Well, not only was uh, Gruter back on board, but writers Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, they were coming back for their third consecutive go-round with the franchise after co-scripting Jigsaw and Spiral from the Book of Saw. And I would say like each succession, each uh, each movie that they've done has gotten better. 
Uh, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Jigsaw, although looking back, that may have more to do with like the look and the feel of it and the Spiri Brothers direction and what they were going for. I really like Spiral and then we'll discuss our feelings on Saw X, but like I really, really like this movie a lot. And I feel like these guys really get the franchise and they keep getting better and better with it. Okay. Yeah, I I would watch more. I mean, we know I wasn't the biggest fan of Spiral, but that had less to do with like their screenplay, I think. So yeah, they can more, keep writing Saw movies. Yeah. Feels like what you didn't like about that movie was like every time Chris Rock ablet. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe it was like after we talked about it, I was like, OK, now I can really sort out my thoughts here. So, yeah, it's like uh, every time Chris Rock rock like turned to the screen and went women be shopping and then turned to the screen and went mm? you know like, i was like what am i watching yeah, yeah no um, there's a lot of things i discovered that i really liked about spiral and talking mm-hmm. about it with you guys so Excellent. i say uh stolberg and goldfinger bring us more yeah. goldfinger <laughs> Just keep don't know how we haven't said that we haven't (laughs) or Um, sung the theme song why isn't that theme song in your uh in your sound brother well we can always (laughs) go back um all right so understanding that fans stayed away from spiral in part because of the pandemic but also the lack of getting jiggy with jigsaw they put uh lionsgate and twisted pictures kind of put on a full court marketing press like very early letting people know that like Tobin Bell was back as John Craver, like as early as October of 2022. And not only that fans were going to get like more jigsaw than they ever got in any saw movie ever. Like they were the overcompensating divorced dad that only (laughs) sees their kid like every third weekend. And we're like buying their kid, like every present, like, Oh, like you want a PS five, like I'll get you a PS 10. And then, you know, like they were just going crazy with it. And I Um, said, thank you. Can we also order pizza? Yeah. And you're like, absolutely. How many toppings do you want on that pizza? (laughs) Have some cigarettes and whiskey while you're at it. Um, I'm the cool dad. Yeah. So speaking with Empire Magazine online uh, this past August while promoting the film, Gruter stated, Kramer is the center of the story. They tried to make the last saw without Tobin. uh, And to me, that was a pretty gutsy move. And then the author of the piece said, that's a very tactful euphemism for definitely not what I would have done there. Um, Honestly, this, okay. This sounds to me exactly like the, uh, uh, who's the producer. Oh, uh, Irwin from, uh, uh, Irwin Yoblins. Yeah. Yeah. From Halloween saying, uh, his interview about Halloween three saying not having Michael Myers in the picture was ill-advised. Yeah. And then he comes back later and says it was stupid, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's so it, but Hey, come on, just because you know, it doesn't mean the movie's garbage in life. So anyway, no. just <laughs> at the end of the day, producers don't care if you like, yeah. you could make a movie with the artistic merits of Casablanca. Yep. Um, but if, if it doesn't make money for him, if it doesn't make money, like producers yep. don't care. Yep. Whereas like, if you make a combination of like Birdemic in the room 
but <laughs> you can like you're as an executive producer, you can light a hundred dollar bills on fire and then wipe your bottom with them because you have that much money to burn. Seems dangerous. It's yeah, okay. It seems that seems like yeah. what kind of yeah. thrill seeking have you already tried that didn't work for you when you are wiping your ass with <laughs> fire? Anyway. Anyway, but you get the point. It's like I that's think a really... sauce, watching all the Saw movies has ruined our brains, I it think. It really has, I yeah. think. <laughs> God, but but we... your point is is accurate. Right. Yes, producers want to yeah. make money. Producers yeah, want to make money. They don't I'm, care about art at the end of the day. But I'm I'm saying I think I concur with Mike's uh assessment that um in another 30 years perhaps we will see the appreciation for spiral that we now see for halloween 3 and perhaps uh friday 5 um but you know nah, hey, Jason, that's just me. i think i think i, I love me some jason some, goes to hell some new beginning is, is yeah, yeah i love that movie nah, jason but goes I, to hell is great but i do think <laughs> that there is always that question of when do you actually just have to let a character go yeah mm-hmm. because you can't keep bringing them back you can't keep extending a legacy past a certain point and i i think that we're getting i mean i i think consensus based on what some folks have said this is i mean this is kind of jigs last go nope i i i mean there's sar 11 and 12 are like in the works but see i'm i'm already bored because i love jigsaw but like what else can he do literally anything anything he wants (laughs) he can fucking turn into batman tomorrow and i'll watch it (laughs) i i mean i i love him but like i i feel like all right you've run your course you've done you've you've parlayed your your message to people you've you've done your work now it is time to die ari has jig i have a question for you yeah has jigsaw been in space yet not yet and i am telling you there you go i am telling you we got saw the musical in new york this year off broadway And they read the review of it on Ghouls Magazine. One of the New York Ghouls got to go. I was very jealous. So we've done a musical. So now we got to go to space. No. Leprechaun in space. Perfect. Jigsaw in space. No. Why we don't not? know until we try. Because he. Nicole, you're the person who's there first day every movie. <laughs> I'm like I a am. surprised at this. You were there because... like the first day for Saw 5. He's. But I understand he has limitations. Go to like, space. Go no. to space. Like, Jigsaw in space. I want, I want Tobin Bell's head in a jar like Pierce Bronson in yes. Mars Attacks. How, setting up traps. How, how the fuck is he going to make traps in space? He's at, listen. We, think about it. <laughs> I don't think about space because it's too scary, but I trust Jigsaw can do anything. In space, you can have Admiral. Okay, that's our yeah. Proof. That's all the proof we needed. God damn it! (laughs) 
I walked into that, that trap. I walked that, into Nicole, that trap. But you would be, we would be doing Saw 14, and it'd be like, when did we first see this? And you'd be like, well, it was, you know, opening day. I was there day. opening well, day. Oh, I'll be there really opening day, but I'm going to be mad about it. Would you be mad? <laughs> um, my honest answer is, I think, like, when Tobin Bell passes away and what a legacy it will be. You you have with like Spiral, you have it set up for more movies or you would just reboot the whole franchise and you would have like another John Kramer. You, know, you Because these franchises never die. Like Universal did Frankenstein and then Hammer did Frankenstein. Yeah. And then someone else made more Frankenstein movies. How many Dracula movies? have been made over the 108. years. 108. Yeah. Right? The, the, that's, I don't know, they exist in a different form, I think, you know, because they start, they're works of literature that have been turned into various adaptations mm-hmm. and various forms and interpretations. Whereas this, I mean, uh, Saw is its own, I mean, it's its own book. You know what I mean? The book of Saw. But it, so if something, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I struggle to see how, you can adapt this the way you could a Dracula or Frankenstein or whatever. I mean, cause I, I mean, even when you take someone like a, like, you know, like bring it back to Nightmare on Elm street, when you take the iconic actor out of that, it doesn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. For example, it could, if you get the right one, perhaps, but um, yeah. But so I, I struggle seeing will, if it'll work. Enough time will pass or eventually, Elm Street will be rebooted. Oh yeah, I'm sure will. will. Yeah, someone will do it, and someone will probably do a very good job with it. Like there'll be a director with enough creativity to find a new hook and and tap into new fears and new insecurities to do something great with it. And there'll be a new performer to get put a different spin on Freddy or whatever that dream demon is. Maybe it's not even Freddy Krueger in some sort of reboot that you can do a whole new spin on it. Like these are kind of like comic books, like comic books Mm -hmm. are our version of folklore and mythology where their characters are always evolving and changing and they never really seem to age or die. Um, Eventually like somebody will come up with some idea to reboot this franchise with new characters and new performers and a new saw city and a new dirty bathroom and new traps and new metal and you know <laughs> just new new metal just they'll it'll be a way because like they're inexpensive to make they make a lot of money there's a market mm-hmm. for it people will go to at least one of them out of like a car crash mentality and mm-hmm. it will make money enough money for them to make at least one of them well, I mean, the concept in and of itself, there have been films that have kind of walked a line in, in that direction of like how, like, what would you do? Um, how far would you push yourself? What would you sacrifice? And so I I think that the concept is out there um, and... And I think that that that's fine, but I just feel like if you're going to do like with Freddy, Freddy's a demon. Demons can take lots of different shapes, and 
you can have them recast and it can have a, a similar vibe. Mm-hmm. But this is Jade fucking yeah. Saw. But I mean, Michael Myers is the shape, but he's supposed to be a man. His head got cut off. And then, you know, three, four years later, he comes back like, oh, it actually wasn't him. Like, there's always a way. Do you know what I mean? That there's always a way for these things to happen. Like there's somebody somewhere will find a way to do something because there's always money to be made. And I know that's a really cynical take. Um, And in an ideal world, like I think we're all pretty high on this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. Right. Am I wrong? I like it. Yeah. Um, I I think we're all pretty high. It's like critics actually love it. Like box office wise, it's done really well. Like this could be like a Rocky Balboa where the character goes out on like a really high gracious note and like it's the last one in the series and you're like, wow, what a way to go out. But, you know, and then you're like, oh, it made eight times its its production budget and it hasn't just hit home video and you got people that are like, oh, we can milk this a lot more. You know, that's what's going to happen. Like that's just like we live in a capitalist society. You know, that's just the way it's going to be. And they're going to trot Tobin Bell out. And you know, there was just a whole Writers Guild strike. And there's currently like a Screen Actors Guild strike on this. Like they would in a night, in the producers like Hollywood in, a, in their ideal setting would be doing body scans and vocal scans on Tobin Bell right now. So they could be making Saw 37 with like an AI John Kramer saying like, do you want to play a game? That might be the thing that gets me to stop watching Saw. Yeah, I think I would not watch an AI. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, it's an interesting discussion, but I just want to move on with this a little bit. Um, I think you would see Saw in space opening day in a heartbeat though. Oh, absolutely. Saw versus the Xenomorph. Why Jigsaw not? Jigsaw versus Alien. <laughs> Predator versus Jigsaw. Give it to me. Yeah, place your bets. Nicole, I've never seen Nicole look angrier. Yeah, she, she looks she mad. Looks well, right it's she just... with us. <laughs> Nicole is like, I'm not here for your bullshit. <laughs> I would be there, but I would be so mad. Are you mad at me or are you mad at yourself for like i know i would be there for this only me i'm only mad at me (laughs) jigsaw billy the puppet versus chucky versus leprechaun versus annabelle in in sort of puppet master gauntlet style versus king kong (laughs) okay no you lost me You had me in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, but that would be perfect. Like, lots of dolls fighting it out. Love it. Yes. So there you go. I mean, we're just giving ideas. Getting we you excited. Okay. This is also like, after that 11-minute diversion where we said, <laughs> um, where we said basically they were going to have a lot of Tobin Bell. They also leaked like around uh, summer of this year what the timeline was going to be and the way to get around. Like because like how do you bring fans back after like basically a, a 12-year absence? Like 
how are you going to make sense of this with the, and bring new fans in? Like, oh, we'll make it easy. We're going to set this movie between Saw 1 and Saw 2, which means you can just watch the first movie, ignore everything else, and uh, you should be okay at that point, which if you're a Saw newbie, like someone like me, if I wasn't covering this franchise for the pod, I can be like, oh, I'll just rewatch the first one again, and I won't feel confused at that point. So the, Yeah, the, it could yeah. be an entry point to the franchise yeah. on its really own. It could be. It really, mm-hmm. They tried that with Jigsaw, and I don't think it quite no. works. I think you need to watch at minimum the first movie before you mm-hmm. watch Jigsaw. Yeah. But I think you could start with Saw X and then work your way back through yeah. the franchise. Yeah. So it, they let folks know it's going to take place between one and two. Uh, fans learned the plot would revolve around John traveling to Mexico for a risky experimental surgery that could possibly cure his terminal brain cancer, only to learn that he had been hoodwinked. And John Kramer being John Kramer, that's just not going to sit right. And the games were going to begin. Uh, fans would also learn Jigsaw would not be the only Saw alumni back as it was announced that Shawnee Smith would return to play John's disciple, Amanda. The same announcement from Deadline also uh, announced that Sanovi McCondy Lund, Stephen Brand, and Michael Beach would be added to the cast. That was around December of 2022. Producers said that although Smith and Bell were nearly 15 years older than when they last appeared together in a Saw film, there were going to be no attempts to digitally de-age them. Um, The only thing was an unfortunate choice of wigs for Smith. That was my addition, not the producers. (laughs) They were not like, we're just going to give her shitty wigs. They've always done. That's how you know it feels like a real Saw movie because they gave Shawnee Smith a shitty wig. Yeah, it's like that was the original, like when they they workshop that when they were coming up with like, if it's October, it must be Saw. Like if it's a shitty, shitty wig, wig. Shawnee Smith, it yeah, must, be, it must saw. be Saw. And uh, that one didn't workshop quite as well. Uh, Gruter, <laughs> speaking with Entertainment Weekly, he said there was talk before we were shooting that maybe we could do a little bit of VFX work to clean them up. Personally glad we didn't tamper with them at all. When you look at some of the films that have de-aged their actors, it puts some distance between the character and the audience. We're so intimate with Bell and Smith, and they have such emotional close-ups that it's better to just see them as they look and that we're both totally fine with that. And I'm totally okay with it as well. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. No problems. It works really well for Tobin Bell in particular because he's yeah. supposed to look sickly and you see that here like you're like oh he looks ill and it really works yeah like in my head tobin bell has almost sort of looked the same the whole time but mm-hmm. that's not true like when i think about when he stands up at the end of the first movie and put that next to saw 10 i can see how different he looks mm-hmm. but you can chalk that up too yeah his cancer. Yep, absolutely. And you can chalk it up like his character. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to the movies. We'll talk about that. Oh, actually, we'll talk about it right now. It's right here in my notes. There you go. Look at that. Look at that continuity. Uh, the writers <laughs> had talked about this before when they were discussing coming up with Jigsaw 2. They, 
the fact that like bell is older is something they could actually lean into when they were writing the script kramer in the movies is only in his 50s uh in tobin bell although he looks remarkable for his age and right now as we record this uh, tobin bell is probably like bench pressing a buick um <laughs> he can they can use his age like he is like 81 years old they could probably use his age as a way to portray him as more sickly as a 50 something year old and you know i think i just kind of asked this but how do you see that in his performance i i mean i think that works he's still part of it is how he delivers that performance. Like there's a scene where um, he sort of sits down and Amanda says, are you okay? And he said, the pain just comes in waves and you can almost see that. Like you can, he's such a good actor that like you can almost see waves of pain coming over him. And so I think it's not just, Hey, this guy's 30 years older. So we buy that he's sick. It's also like he sells it really well. Mm-hmm. I think there's also what we don't talk about in terms of like prolonged illness is just kind of the the mental impact it has, especially when you are given such a diagnosis and he's at a level of desperation and he is really sick. And all of that, I think, has some wear and tear on the body it's not just a cancer it's distress it's all of these things and um so i i agree that you do you do buy it but you know i think if you if you were going to be like super nitpicky a bit of a purist to go back and watch three and then watch this it's like well what do we see like does he look the same is there you know what i don't know i watched my dad pass away from cancer really from an infection that he shouldn't have killed him like after a cancer operation and it took him quick and like I know in, for the from Saw 2 to Saw 3, like a decent amount of time passes, like at least six months. And mm-hmm. a lot can change physically oh, in yeah. six months. Um, so I don't really... Um, and you don't know how much time... If this says, well, it takes place between Saw 1 and 2. That can be any length of time. Like you don't know how much time passes between this in saw two either so uh, i'm okay with that and i'm also not going to nitpick that like i i'm okay with like i'm just going to let myself kind of become a wash in a movie a bit as well yeah no and that's a really good point too in that the series does a really good job at not getting into like a lot of medical specifics Mm -hmm. so that it is something that we we track like my I took care of my grandpa who had bone cancer and he hid his diagnosis from us for a year so that we could take care of my grandmother who had COPD. And by the time that he told us it had reached a certain point that it was really starting to 
kind of manifest physically. He was a larger-than-life guy and, you know, was really active. And all of a sudden, you he lost a ton of weight and could barely move. And this was all within a handful of months. And, you know, as great as a lot of filmmakers seem to think uh, de-aging looks, there's still something off-putting about it. Yeah, it's uncanny. Yeah, it it doesn't work. I mean, like uh, the new Indiana Jones, I was just like, uh, yikes. You know? It looked, I mean, technically speaking, it looked good. But there was something about it that was just off to me that's the you know? only one i've seen where i'm like that one didn't bother me yeah okay um there's something usually like almost like zemeckian about it where like oh, it yeah. looks like yeah that usually yeah. gets unnerving to me but like mm-hmm. for whatever reason now there's a lot like the problem with dial of destiny is it's kind of boring um but other than I that like it's not, dial of destiny yeah. but yeah but I, I i would yeah you make a good point i mean it, it's it's it just there was something about it like that i don't know yeah. if for me it was the uncanny valley yeah. of it or all or something but yeah um you know like uh, like i love movie makes you miss shiloh LaBeouf. you're like oh <laughs> there's some problems <laughs> Um, but like, uh, I love like the righteous gemstones, but they do like this de-aging thing when they do flashbacks oh, yeah. and it, it's a little bit like, uh, okay. It's like, it's again, it's not that it looks wrong or bad or, but you know that something's been done. And mm-hmm. so I, I think it just kind of, mm, I don't and know. I think it's, like, it's, it's weird is, feeling. Is fans, you're like. I'm here for the movie. I'm here for the ride. Like I'm yeah. not. You kind of like with the and I with the movie like Saw. You're kind of there, not to say that it's like slapdash. Like that's an insult. That's not what you mean. But you're there because like there are it is like Saw at its roots was like a very low budget, mm-hmm. strung together. Like we're good. It was barely a movie. Like they had to yeah. really stretch it out to make it a movie and Mm. there's a certain amount of like respect that I'm going to give that the fact that it grew into something this big. So the fact that you're like, you know what, like our actors are a bit older and we're just going to say, fuck it and go with it. And maybe it is like the do it yourself, like punk rock ethos in me that Mm -hmm. will never die. That I'm like, yeah, I can respect the fact that you're like, we're just going to say, fuck it we're going to go with this and you can either respect it and be along for the ride, or maybe we're not for you anymore. Like I would much rather have that than like, let's throw a ton of money and technology at it and try to like cover up the warts. I would. Yeah. That doesn't sound like saw. No, it doesn't. You know? Right. Yeah. It's very scrappy Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. its roots. And I, and I agree. I think it does have, it's a franchise that even in doing that, I think, exercises a lot of care for mm-hmm. its characters and continuity um even in just kind of the aesthetic as we've talked about yeah. the wonderful aesthetic of saw city yeah so filming took place mostly between late october 2022 through february 2023 principal photography took place in mexico city because the traps were a bit more complex in design, 
filming was kind of broken up into three week chunks in order to accommodate building and testing the traps. Uh, once principal photography was wrapped, the decision was made like we're only going to use CGI very sparingly. You know, Saw has always had like very fantastic in house practical mm-hmm. effects and. Uh, fans had come to know that and expect that CGI is used for some touch-ups here and there, but when you watch the film, like you can tell, like it's a real practical FX showcase. Um, mixing the film was a bit of a challenge. Uh, Steve Forn, who was the first t- assistant editor, revealed at one point that he had the cops called on him while doing the sound mix <laughs> due to all the screaming. Uh, neighbors were concerned that somebody was being tortured to death. Once cops realized everything was okay, Forn uh, showed on the door and finished a sequence. It was the custodian trap with the eyeball sucking. Mm-hmm. So once he like showed the cops the door, he finished the sequence and then he went into his basement and then proceeded to murder <laughs> seven grandmothers for fun. So That sounds great. about right. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it's all true. Uh, heavily <laughs> researched and vetted. Let's talk marketing. Um, they really did a full court press, letting yeah. fans know Tobin Bell is in this movie. Like, that was the big draw. Like, Tobin Bell's in it. Jake's the tagline could it. basically be like, Tobin Bell's here. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, kids, like, Tobin Bell was out with his backwards cap and his skateboard <laughs> doing the rounds. <laughs> You know, hey, fellow kids. But the other thing that was back was like, you know, because when I do the shows, I like Google the posters and then that is the cover art for every episode. Mm-hmm. And then on the website, I do the full posters. I love like when you go to my office at school, I have classic horror movie posters up like I love horror movie posters. And Saw has some like really cool designs. Spiral does not. Like spiral is just like it's Chris Rock and he Chris Rock in front of a neon spiral spiral. <laughs> yeah, yay! So Saw has like a very whatever you think of the film, it's like a super striking poster with like a dude screaming with these vacuum tubes over his eyes forming an X, and like Ariel, like you are, yes. and, and Nicole, you are the two like really students of this franchise the fans of it like what does that poster scream to you when you see it eyeball sucking <laughs> but i mean it's like a, <laughs> no um... i'm teasing um no i mean that poster i took a i took a selfie at the theater like mm-hmm. a teenager with that poster because i was so excited to see a poster like that because you look back to the old posters like two is two fingers with like mangled fingernails and three is I think three teeth hanging mm-hmm. from hooks. So like to incorporate the number of the movie into a trap and it's all grainy and gross looking. I was like, this is a saw poster. Oh. Agreed. I think it did echo kind of the original vibe and those posters are iconic. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like doing everything it can to invite old fans back. Like, come back. It's all yes. right to come back and see this. Um, the Saw Blood Drive is back in partnership with the Red Cross. Donors can donate blood. And 
um, get free tickets to the movie. And then in like a really cool piece of viral marketing, Lionsgate releases a little parody video uh, (laughs) with Billy the Puppet um, doing a spoof on the AMC ads that play before every movie with Nicole Kidman. Uh, And we're going to play that here. If you haven't heard it, you can find it online. The video is hilarious. My favorite thing is like when he just rides into the stair and just kind of (laughs) like sighs. Um, So I'm going to play the audio here. It's great. We come to this place for a reawakening. We come to the theaters to scream, to beg, to play. That indescribable feeling we get when the lights flicker, when the lights flicker on and off, and your calls for mercy go unanswered, and you wake up chained in a dirty warehouse, somehow still breathing, blood-soaked blades on a huge silver screen, fear that I can feel. Somehow, self-amputation feels good in a place like this. Traps. They make movies better. That's so good. It's perfect. It, and AMC has no sense of humor either. Didn't no. they? Didn't they make them take it down or something, or or cease and desist on it or something? A- AMC sent Lionsgate a cease and desist, but it has gone on to be shared over and over. And I think AMC just gave up point. Yeah. because you can mm-hmm. find it like super easy at this point in like full high def. Uh, like it took one keystroke to find it, but yeah, like AMC was like, "How dare you!" impugn on the dignity of nicole kidman it's funny nicole kidman probably would think it's funny i in you know at least in my no i don't think so nicole kidman does not strike me as a person with a great sense of humor (laughs) um i i will say though that one of the things that struck me about this after seeing the movie was that i feel like the humor of this fits kind of the the different level of humor that John Kramer has in this movie mm-hmm. because he has some fucking banger lines. Mm-hmm. And oh, Amanda yeah. too. Amanda's yes. serving throughout this whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, as the kids say, she's serving. <laughs> Am I allowed to say the C word? Like I don't think you should. Male? Okay. Yeah. I won't. Because I always feel I probably shouldn't, and I try not to say that word, I so I won't. I just I'll mean on the advice. podcast, I don't think you should say it. I don't okay. know if I want to ban you from saying it for life. I just think we'll no. lose listeners if we say that word. I think that in general, it's probably better that I don't say it. So It can't hurt anything to not say it. I'll tell I you think, that for free. I th- you, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um so serving punt we'll just say <laughs> serving punt. punch serving punt um amanda is doing that but yeah it's funny and i think like that's one thing like in the 2000s like the saw movies were a lot of things but intentionally funny was not one of those things that's um, right you know like they were like 
you would laugh at them because they were so self-serious, but like you wouldn't <laughs> laugh with them. Do you know what well, I mean? Mm-hmm. Here's a question. I, Except and, for and Adam maybe, in the first one. He and maybe this is getting into the movie discussion. When, when you guys saw the movie. Saw intended, 10. Yeah. Uh, did you, in the stuff that was before, did you have like, a video that was kind of explaining the timeline. No. No. Nope. Never saw nothing like that. Okay. We did not. Yeah, there was a, a video that no. played before that. Are you had... sure it wasn't just a random dude with like a pointer in a. No. It, it was a video, and okay. uh, the friend that I saw it with, uh, God, saw is such a word. Are you um, sure it wasn't former show co-host Lindsay Travis just going from? No, because I would have known. Um, Could have been Ariel. But it I was, put on a disguise. It was someone like going through the timeline, and they had jokes, and it was actually a pretty fun video. I would like um, to see that. Yeah, I didn't get anything like that. Yeah. So shout out to that theater. We just got the here is where the exits are. If there's an emergency, bye. That would be awesome if they ended that video with bye. bye. So yeah, we get that. <laughs> we got the the parody video, and I love that. And I think That's I was good. it's gonna watch that over and over. So it, it it was originally set to come out in late October, like we said. It was set to reclaim its like weekend before Halloween throne in October. Uh, and the whole like if it's October, it must be saw. But then it's like moved up a whole month to like September 29th, which in retrospect actually a pretty smart move it opens at number two at the box office which you're like oh that's pretty disappointing uh, but it opens behind paw patrol which let's face it doggies are super cute and children can go and, and children, children can go. well yeah. uh, i was there which saw movie was it that like i i, I have like, i just have this vague recollection of years ago like Kids went to a theater. They were supposed to see some animated movie, and like they accidentally got <laughs> shown like the beginning of like one of the Saw movies. <gasps> well, so, it's like the fourth grade class that got shown uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and the have, teacher have, wouldn't turn it off. And the teacher wouldn't turn it off for like a half hour. Some heroes <laughs> don't wear capes. <laughs> oh, I have a very fun story. About- Tell it. The Paw Patrol. Tell it. Um, when I went to Seesaw X, I went into Paw Patrol because I had switched in my mind the theater and the row mm-hmm. number. So I sat down and I'm like, why are there so many kids? Here? Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, this is such a weird thing to be showing before the movie. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I just <laughs> creeped out. And went to the right theater. That's amazing. That's so funny. I I went to the theater on like the opening weekend of Saw, but I saw Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads film that was re-released by A24. And I saw all the kids in there and I hadn't realized that there was anything. I thought because I my only 
reference to what was coming out was Wait, uh, the kids were there for up. stop making sense no the kids were there for paw patrol okay and i just saw the theater filled with all these kids and i'm like i thought that i, I didn't realize that that was opening so i thought they were all there for saw x you thought they were just some <laughs> super young hipsters there for Dan yeah Aaron? i thought i thought i thought these i thought these uh parents were very very irresponsible and taking their their four-year-olds to go see oh. saw 10 but um i don't turns know if out, you know this yeah. ariel and nicole yelled at me on sunday because my daughter was at a sleepover I was outside there. of my jury. Oh, that's right. You were. <laughs> was she was at a sleepover at her friends and they watched a movie that I had no way of knowing they would watch. That was apparently she should not have watched. And, and I got yelled at. So I apparently am a bad parent. I wasn't yelling at you. I was yelling yes, you towards you. Well, I assumed I hadn't heard of it, so I thought it was a movie about b- someone being a furry or something like that. So <laughs> it is or, definitely not. Oh, okay. That was so much more wholesome. Okay. Oh. So anyway, 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 saw it opens up at number two behind Paw Patrol two, and I hope it doesn't mean that like Jigsaw is going to like take on a bunch of puppies that aren't housebroken in Saw eleven. It's like he might, he could. Take- it's like you miss the pad, you go in the reverse bear trap. Aww, uh, but it, it raked in uh, 18.3 million opening weekend, like doubling what Spiral did, or doing like 10 million more than what Spiral did opening weekend. Uh, as of the past weekend, it's closing in on 50 million domestically, may have already passed it as we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, and it's sitting like right in the middle of the franchise right now. And it's holding up really well. Like it's not getting those like 60%, 70% drops. Like it's dropping like 35, 40%. Like people are still turning out for it like a month into its release. It's got a shot of passing Saw. Uh, it's domestic take of like 55 million. And granted, we kind of have to roll inflation in. Uh, and the price of eggs and milk being more expensive. So like Saw, <laughs> the original, sold more tickets. But still, it might make over $55 million on only $13 million for a budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, worldwide, uh, it was just shy of $80 million, uh, as of the weekend. So it's definitely passed it by now as we're recording it and uh, as this has dropped. So it's a hit. Like it's there's definitely going to they're going to make more of these uh in terms of home media as of last weekend uh you can rent it for 20 bucks on demand but for five bucks more you can purchase it digitally on 4k or uh high definition so be it and just in time for thanksgiving uh, on november 21st saw x and really when you think about it like saw is kind of thanksgiving horror because like, what Stay is hard. John Kramer doing except trying to make people thankful for life? And he's very family focused, and Thanksgiving's yeah. very family centric. It's about holiday. found family, and there's and carving people, involved. He's, he's carving. <laughs> you know, he's like this way. There's a leg thing in here, and bone marrow, and yeah. he's trying to make you like grateful for yeah. life so it's really about it's, it's a great thanksgiving horror. i'm on board i agree yeah. congealed blood looks like cranberry sauce mm. it does i um, actually i was gonna bring this up i'll i'll save her for when we talk about traps but okay 
we'll come back to that. You save um, it for. I think. Well, get your trap. Thank you, Admiral Akbar. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> um, so again, in November twenty first, it'll be out on four K, Blu Ray, and DVD. Three hours of bonus footage, including a making of documentary and deleted scenes, showing that it really is the early aughts. All over I'm in again. heaven. I mean, I you know I got this on pre order. Yeah, I'll pick it up on four K. I got. I ordered, I got Jigsaw and Spiral on 4K because they were like 10 bucks each. And I'm like, why not? Mm-hmm. So I will probably never watch Jigsaw again. But you have it. All of this is to say that, like, we're going to get more Saw. And as of right now, Saw 11 and 12 are uh, in development with, like, the future adventures of jigsaw they're basically keeping tobin bell in a hyperbaric chamber he's not allowed to uh not allowed to leave the house basically they're feeding him like a high fiber high protein diet uh giving him buicks to bench press yeah Yeah, basically (laughs) that is it and this is what producer orin uh coolies said i'm probably mispronouncing it orin coolies said about what direction the series might go and how fans might influence that direction. He said, we don't test screen the movie. We don't know what audience is like. We'll for the next month, read a lot of Reddit, read all the different sites, read fan sites and see what characters they identify with, what characters they like in a weird way. The release of the movie is our test screen. Most studios will test screen and film three, four times. So maybe they listen to this podcast. I would be wild if they're like, <laughs> what do these jabronis on the pod on the pendulum have? They to should say? be so lucky to hear our opinions if, on our free if pitches. Like, if these like, why is that guy? What is, <laughs> this guy, if he's like, maybe they, does he want to fuck Admiral Akbar? Like, <laughs> to get that in. And producer Mark Berg uh, elaborated on that thought with uh, talking about like, well, we don't do that. We don't, you know, we talking about like kind of planning ahead, like where, the, you know, like, do we have multiple, like, do we have multiple stories in place going forward? We don't do that because we don't want people knowing the ending and knowing where we're going with the franchise. Shawnee came back to this movie because Orin and myself read so much about the audiences and wanting more of her, quite frankly, wanting more John Kramer. Because of wanting that, we decided that's where the story came from. We'll sit down and read next week, the week after, and then we'll start meeting with the writers and hopefully Stolberg and Goldfinger will want to come back and Gruter will want to come back and then we'll take it from there. But until the movie opens, right now we're focused on this movie. And we haven't really sat down and thought about the next one yet. And I kind of like that. I kind of mm-hmm. like to like, this is what we made right now. All of our energy is going into this movie. Because what you're seeing, like Exorcist, the Exorcist reboot, where it's like, we already have three movies planned. And what you get is like all of this creative energy spread out over three movies. And you don't really like have like one good one. Um, mm-hmm. You're seeing like Mission Impossible, like Dead Reckoning 2, 
oh, we're, now we're going to push it back a year and it's no longer called Dead Reckoning 2. I think, do we kind of see right now, like maybe studios are kind of rethinking this strategy of like everything needs to be IP, everything needs to be this massive franchise. Um, if you just make a good movie, it will franchise itself because people will want more of it. Well, it's interesting because the, I mean, I know, I guess Barbie is technically IP, but it's a unique take, original story, different kind of thing. Uh, the second highest grossing movie of the year is a biopic, a three hour biopic about mm-hmm. the guy that helped create the atomic bomb. I mean, that's crazy. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon was a surprise hit. It's three, <laughs> a three and a half hour movie about, you know, horrible people that kill other people. Uh, I mean, this is, um, it's, it's just wild that, that this is coming around again, you know, that it feels a, a bit like, Hey, seventies auteur style ish, I guess, uh, filmmaking may well be a possibility. Um, so, once again, who knows? Um, but it, it's just a couple of movies don't make for an entire trend, but it's um, kind of a sign that things could be changing uh, in the way it, what Hollywood's looking at. Doesn't everything come around again? Because you get so much of one thing for so long. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, the, the scale just sort of naturally tips back in the other direction. Yeah. I mean, look at the original run of Saw movies. You would think like this gravy train has biscuit wheels and it's never going (laughs) to slow down. And then you get to like the fifth movie and it's like, okay, we've had our fill. Now we want something else. We want like supernatural horror. And by you get to the sixth movie in like the box office, even though it's not poor, it's like half of what the previous one was. Sure. Well, I think it's also that 30 year trend as well. That kind of bleeds into it. Although this is more than 30, but you know, things run on a cycle. Mm -hmm. And so it is interesting to see how, you know, it, it's, I think at the end of the day, it's hard to really predict what the longevity of something is going to be because what that turns out to be will still be impacted by like current trends. It can come back, but it's going to be influenced and mm-hmm. impacted by those current trends. Oh. I think too, you mentioned Killers of the Flower Moon. And like when you dig in, I don't want to turn this into a Martin Scorsese podcast because we'll be here all night. Um, When you dig into the data, like 60% of the audience was under 35 years old. And you, you have like an audience that is like, you know that this is a gentleman who is like 80 years old who is openly acknowledged, like, I don't have much time left, but I am going to use every bit of time that I have to create as much art that I can. I I have this figured out. And it's a person who, oh God, I might cry. Um, 
who I don't know anyone who champions or sell it, whatever you think of his movies. Like, I mean, like you can think whatever you want. You can think, Oh, he only makes movies about toxic masculinity. And you're like, you're totally okay to think that it's, it's fine to be wrong. Um, you can, t- nobody has cha- done more to champion cinema in the past 50 years to preserve cinema. He's someone that has said, you know, like we need more filmmakers like Greta Gerwig, like her movies are brilliant. He is called Midsummer, one of his favorite movies of the past few years. He loves horror movies. Like he's talked about how much he loves horror movies. Like he's on the record is saying that, and he just loves movies in general. And like, there's a passion and an enthusiasm at 80 years old that you get, you don't get from people that are 20 or 30. There's not this sense of NUI or, or cynicism that most people have, but he never feels like he's talking at or down. So if you're like someone that's like 30 years old, you're like, I may never get a chance to see one of his movies in the cinema again. I should probably get off my ass and do this. If I can sit through all of a Mike Flanagan cryathon Netflix horror series in one sitting, I can get my ass to a Martin Scorsese three-hour movie. Okay, I'm sorry. Enough. Don't ever apologize for anything. So, okay. Well, that being said, I think let's talk about why people go to these movies. It is time for the Admiral Akbar Memorial It's a Trap category. Let's talk about the traps. It's a trap! I love this so much. <laughs> I can't believe. Mike found a new toy, listeners. Can't believe. <laughs> Aria, what other franchises that we haven't covered feature like a ton of traps? That we haven't covered? Yeah. Cube. Mm-hmm. We have, I mean, that's sort of the original, one of the original death games. Um, escape Room. Yeah, I mm. love Escape Room. There are yeah. two of them, right? Yeah, there are. And yeah. actually, the second one has two really different that's versions. True. It's almost like there are three. You would have huh? to cover it twice, I think. Yeah. Um, I... So this isn't a movie franchise, but it's the only thing that's coming to my head right now is a um, Japanese show called Alice in Borderland. Yeah, we're not covering that. Yeah, no, but it's all about death game horror. So anyway, I'm sure listeners are screaming at their phones, all the ones I'm forgetting right now. I got one. The Abominable Dr. Fives and Dr. Fives Rises Again. Okay. Yeah. I've never even heard of that. Oh, my. They got, they influenced Saw clearly. Nicole, don't don't type, Nicole, just shout it out. Just like don't type. Don't use the typing oh. box. Just yell it out. It's well, an audible see, format. Like Squid Game is also, mm-hmm. I think. It's a TV show, though. It is a TV show, but they're coming back with a different with a new season. Ah. So I hope it's more violent. I really wanted it to be more violent. All right. Well, what? <laughs> Sorry, what I ruined is, it. What is, what is the first trap that we want to talk about here? Should we start with the eye vacuum? Yes. What do y'all think about this trap? 
Uh, I love it. I love that it's fake, that it's not a real one. Yeah. We've never mm-hmm. seen that in the whole right. franchise. The only time we saw a trap that didn't really happen was when Jill had a dream she was being killed by Hoffman. And we've never seen the inside of John's thought process in this way. Right. So not only is it a gnarly, excellent trap, it was like a fun insight. Yeah. That's one of the cool things about that opening is he kind of see he sees the something on a chair and he imagines it, you know, in a different place, you know, how this could be used for something else, you know, and then um, has this whole scenario play through in his mind. And I think that's that was kind of a cool thing. And, and you know, to have him just say, well, you made the right choice at the end of it was um, – <laughs> I don't know. I like I liked that whole sequence a bit, quite a mm-hmm. bit. And of course, it's going to be the iconic one because it's on the poster. Mm-hmm. Iconic. You know. uh, <laughs> I walked right into that. I sure did. Sure did. It was a trap. You certainly <laughs> did, Brian. It's a trap. <laughs> I think there's also a simplicity to it as well mm-hmm. that I think is is nice because this is jigsaw not like he's a he's a highly skilled engineer so he's always coming in at top form but i like that we have been able to see the escalation of how these traps evolve and i like Mm -hmm. the simplicity it's like no i just really want to fuck you up right now and so here's what i've got and we're gonna do it and he looked around at things in the room and yep. went and like free associated a trap out of, you know, just what he had around him. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. No. This would be one of the easiest to survive. Yeah. And also cause like the least amount of permanent damage because like you could just turn that dial super quick, break all your fingers at once and eventually your fingers will heal. It it's a like, first draft. Right. Tra- but trap, I like that, you know? though, too. I kind of yeah. like that, you know, and it, it does look super gnarly at the yeah. same time. Um, so it's almost like a kinder, gentler John. Did anyone else worry when it does get revealed that, like, this is John imagining this trap, that the whole movie was going to kind of, like, be like a beautiful mind type situation where maybe the whole movie takes place in John's imagination. Didn't occur to me. No. Yeah. Didn't. Okay. It did to me. That's so some, you're playing 3D I chess. Sat there and I'm like, maybe this is not really happening. And it's a trap. It's not. <laughs> did you not... just play that soundbite in the theater? <laughs> Not annoy loving everybody. that sound bite anymore now, Ari. <laughs> now you're like, God damn it. I'm going to come back around to it, just like okay. we were talking about. Like, sex yeah. Baxter under the pendulum in Saw 5, everything Excellent. swings. Um, What next? So we kind of go from that for, like, a long time without any traps. Like, it's a yeah. solid 40-something minutes where we get, like, you know, Jigsaw on Golden Pond for a long time, and then we kind of go back to what I call the jiggly saw on a previous, but it's the Gili. Gili saw. The, the correct pronunciation. Like the movie. 
like that movie yes. with Ben Affleck. And, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I tried to watch a video of like this being used on a person that needed their foot actually amputated and could no. not get through it. No. Like I got like one cut in and I'm like, no, thank you. Click. I will watch Paw Patrol one. I needed. <laughs> That's not, yeah, no, absolutely yeah. not. So, um, this is super gnarly and honestly feels like the second most unfair trap in the whole movie. So she needs Valentina needs to cut off her leg, understand where to put a tube to suck bone marrow. I'm not sure I would I would nail that placement, especially in that amount of pain. Or she gets her head cut off and she's got three minutes. So yeah, this one is pretty rough to survive. And you got to think, too, where we're at in the timeline and the fact that we're outside of Saw City. They don't know who Jigsaw is. They don't know how to play Jigsaw's games. So they're just they they spend a lot of time panicking and saying no, but it makes sense for them. <laughs> I feel like they actually spend less time, though, in a lot of regards, like struggling I think that once they kind of get an understanding of what they need to do, there's not a lot of hesitance. They're willing to do it. They're not trying to find a solution out, which I think in some instances we've seen. So I do like that. I I feel like Jigsaw, you know, who pissed him off the most? They're just going to get less time. You know, they're going to get the more gnarly trap. Um, Do you think he has a formula, like a math way he figures out who gets how much time, like anger divided by vengeance (laughs) times pettiness, something? What if Jigsaw is hangry? Yeah, he needs a Snickers bar. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be amazing (laughs) if there's like a Snickers commercial. And like you bite, you start off as Jigsaw and then you bite into it and you turn into like Hoffman. I don't know. (laughs) That would be incredible. Um, Speaking of, sorry. I think that like the other thing is like if the degree of difficulty, like if you cut off your own leg to save yourself, like that should be enough. Like you shouldn't have to do that. And then like, okay, you also have to like stick this thing into your bone marrow and then suck out like X amount of bone marrow into this weighted device. And then because like, what if that thing clogs up? Like what if the suction isn't good? Like that is like, now you're depending on something else in order to save you. Like you've done enough, like you've cut off like a pretty big portion of your body. Um, yeah. That should send you into shock cutting off something that big and you've done it. You should be good. So it seems really unfair and the degree of difficulty there, that just, I don't know. It didn't sit right. Mm-hmm. I have a really gross thing to say. It's probably the grossest thing I've said on this pod yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, does anybody else think that the bone marrow and blood looks like a delicious dessert? Like a cherries no. and cream? I'm not saying that in real life because you guys know how squeamish I am. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, it's like this white creamy stuff with this like red jelly. It looks like fucking dessert. 
Speaking I've seen of this Thanksgiving. Movie, yeah. I've seen this movie three times and each time I'm like, fuck, that looks good. I want a cherries and cream smoothie or something. Anyway, mm. I told you it was going to be gross. That was cool. <laughs> I did not get that. Okay. That's probably fine. I, I sat there thinking, oh, is that what bone marrow looks like? I, I wasn't really I also sure. don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't look like dessert. That probably is fine. Isn't no, it more no. yellow? Uh, yes. Yeah. It just doesn't look like. I imagine they probably used food as a the special effect. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Melted ice cream and yeah, some maybe. cranberry sauce. It does lead, and we'll talk about it in a little bit when we talk about our good doctor to like one of the better lines in the movie. So we'll leave it for right now. Um, we have the radiation therapy trap, which to me is more funny than anything simply because like when you think that she's out, like she like swings like when in Gabriella, it's like her body swings away from it. It slowly just pivots Shifts. towards her. And you're like, that's, you kind of know it's going to happen because like she's tied up in two places. So why wouldn't it? But it's also kind of hilarious. This is also the one where, if I remember correctly, like Gabriella, when she's given the tape, like doesn't want to play it, right? Who is the one that won't play the tape? She she's the one because I think she like tries to toss it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like she won't yeah. play the tape. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that's when like. Jigsaw like pipes in over the PA. He's like so committed to the bit where he's like, well, if you won't play the tape, like let me hit the microphone. And then he just reads his little speech. Like that to me is like, I am so committed to the bit that I will like, I have my, I have my little speech. I took the time to read it, to write it. You're going to hear it. God damn it. If it's the last thing you do. And it literally might be the last thing you do. It's like um, flight attendants, how like they have to give that safety presentation, even mm-hmm. if nobody wants to listen. Yeah. They're going to do it every time to mm-hmm. the fullest. Yeah. It looks like it really hurts. <laughs> the yeah. safety presentation yeah. on a plane? The safety. <laughs> that too. No, the radiation. <laughs> yeah, no, I get sunburned if I think about the beach. So this mm-hmm. would fucking fry me. Yeah. And she dies. Yeah. But not from her trap. You know? She she falls out of her trap. She makes it out alive. And John's like, she needs to be taken to the hospital. And then um, Peterson kills her. Yeah. And John's whole... Because we've talked about this for like nine other... Or eight other movies. Like John's sense of like we feel like his whole ethos is bullshit mm-hmm. and it's jarring here. Like, because he, you, he believes it. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about this or at the very least, like in this movie or the way that bell portrays it, like he believes it. He's like, she survived. Like she's okay. She's good to go. Let's bring her to the hospital. Yeah. And you see that again here, like with the gentleman survives, like the, um, when he survives like the pipe bomb 
trap. Mm-hmm. Like he's almost like saying like, no fairsy, like you're not playing by the rules, the rules that I've established and nobody else knows and <laughs> it has not agreed to play by. <laughs> he's like, no fairskies, double Dutch, you know, but she's, it's, it's kind of jarring yeah. to see like that level of madness because it's not cold blooded at that point. It's a form of logic that doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm hmm. And it lines up with kind of what we saw in the original Saw, like a fucked up logic that made sense to the person doing it, but doesn't mm-hmm. really hold up under scrutiny. Yep. Like that's who we see in Saw 10. And that makes sense timeline wise, I think. Absolutely. Oh, this trap is a pipe bomb. Uh, if anybody gets the band reference for that, let me know. Just DM me and I will send you a no prize. Um <laughs> Over my head, sorry. It is a uh, kind of a folk punk band from the late 90s, 2000s. So there's a very specific uh, reference that is there. Um, So if anyone gets the kind of like folk punk band I'm referencing, let me know. I like that. Again, I don't think this guy is surviving it, but it looks super, super cool. Looks painful as fuck. Like there are some cool ass traps here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they put a lot into it and considering how quick he's like putting these together, the mm-hmm. blood waterboarding trap, like nothing screams. This movie is set in the early aughts, like a waterboarding scene. Seriously. You know, and nothing like gives like Dick Cheney, like gets his nipples erect, like waterboarding <laughs> in a movie. Dick Cheney is there opening night. And a child. And yeah. That made me happy. Yeah, I was thrilled, but at the same time, we haven't gone to that place yet of a child really being in harm's way. Mm -hmm. The child is always taken off. Um, In the first movie, a little girl has a gun to her head from Zep. Yeah, I don't Uh, think he's going to kill her, though. She, Zep is ready to kill that little girl. She gets away. I guess. But... He doesn't target Just kids. brushing that off. Yeah. He doesn't target kids. And I'm not counting Matthew's son because, no. Um, but I, I mean, just a really innocent. And there was a little girl that he gets kidnapped and is like thrown in a closet with limited air space. Jeff's kid. Hey, you got his name right. Yeah. Yeah, but there's her. It's for protection, right? What protection is that? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I understand, no. but this is your jigsaw it... doesn't target cops moment. <laughs> no, I just don't. I don't think that he necessarily. Okay, I will Sorry, Nicole. the statement and say we love you, Nicole. I don't think that he specifically targets kids. He's not. Like, that's not... Sure. It's not his mo- usual MO. Exactly. Okay. He well, targets well, bad dads, and the kids that they have are kind of yeah. the fallout. Maybe they're bad dads because they're shitty kids, and maybe... Yeah, Mike? Is that what yeah, you want to go with? Yeah. But I feel like those kids are used as pawns. They're not yeah. necessarily, mm-hmm. like, the target. They're just yeah. used as pawns. Okay. Or this kid, like, he's in direct fire. Yeah. And it's rough. Yes. 
Well, that kid yeah. is doing nothing wrong except like playing soccer in front of the wrong building. Mm-hmm. He is annoying yeah. with, with the ball. But it's just a little mean. kid playing soccer. <laughs> so what's annoying about that? On it's pounding. Like I <laughs> get it. But at the same time, like he doesn't deserve that. At all. Well, what that does wasn't he deserve part of the, plan. the He wasn't he would you say he to... deserves the eyeball trap then? Like, I don't understand, yeah. like, what would you give him? Well, I would give him, obviously, the leg trap. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so what was the intent? Who was supposed to end up on each side of the waterboard? We know that... Yeah. I'm guessing what... a Mandarin jigsaw. No. No? Sorry, I shouldn't just say no as if I wrote the movie. Okay. That was so rude. I'm so sorry. Who, I'm so sorry. I'm totally. Do, I threw my. Is it, your, do you think it's supposed to be? Who do you? I, I'm. I'm really curious. What? Yes, what do you think? I, the plan was? I will tell you what I think, and then I will tell you why I think it. So, I Peterson uh-huh. and her man uh, Parker. Because did he, did, do you think well, that, was that the he for sure knew that it was going to be? I mean, before because they would have had to build this thing right before they yes. knew for sure who this who. That he was her accomplice, right? But they knew that already because okay. that's who he tells Hoffman to go get. And then we realize at the end of the movie, that's Hoffman right. says, you're on your own for Parker. And that's when he and Amanda come up with the plan to leave the cell phone out so that Peterson calls Parker and gets him there. So I think that oh, okay. the waterboarding trap was originally intended for Peterson and Parker. Because there's that moment where... Right before Hello's Up starts to play, he goes, Parker goes, who was supposed to be on the other side of the trap with you? Because he doesn't know that they know yet. Mm -hmm. And then they grab the money and then they're closed into that room. Right. And so that's, I think, meant to be the audience realization of Jigsaw knew the whole time and had planned on this. That's my interpretation. I'm sorry I was rude. No, you weren't rude. I mean, rude would have been like... No. So, so then, was the room then being being gassed a contingency plan if the waterboarding thing didn't go to plan? I assume so because, like, the other thing that can happen is on the waterboarding table, one of them kills the other. The one that's left alive goes to run up and get the money. That person is then trapped in the gas room. Yep i I agree with this assessment and. I think that also John is smart and can also realize like, oh, I saw this man. He was the only patient that I saw um, when I was at this place getting my surgery. But I saw no visible wound. Just like I saw no visible wound after my surgery. There's something skew. Um, I think that he's very good at kind of deducing these things. So my assumption was he knew the doctor and uh, the British dude were in on it. They were going to end up in that control room. Kent's like getting the bullets out of the gun. And Amanda and John were going to be on the waterboarding trap. Hmm. That was my assumption. Hence John, you know, saying don't pull the lever in Spanish. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's plausible. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can see that. But again, yeah. looks fucking awesome. Where's all that blood coming from? There's so much blood. Holy Cartels, shit. baby. Cartels. I guess. <laughs> John's got to have a blood guy, like wherever he goes. <laughs> yeah. He's got a warehouse guy wherever he goes and a blood guy everywhere he goes. Warehouse guy and a blood guy. It's probably blood from all of the uh, saw blood donation drives. Yeah. Maybe. That's where it all went to. That's where it all goes. John Kramer. Oh, maybe he's like secretly related to Elizabeth Bathory. You're gonna maybe. Find or it's like a <laughs> you're gonna have like a saw and hostile two crossover. There you go. A woman who's uh-huh. like don't threaten me with a good time. I will threaten everybody. With sounds... it. I want people to have a good time. Why would I, I want? Why would I not want you to have a good time? Like I don't know. That's just a that, saying. I you think. know. Just, I would okay. love. I, yes. So okay. Hostile. I can't even get the sentence out because I so much want a hostile two and saw yeah. crossover. Finally, um, the brain surgery. It's a trap. Just no. Just like I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, this I'm just is, gonna die instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my pig gut one. Like, this is my okay. like getting. Like, you're not surviving this. Like, people go to school for years to do this sort of thing. Like, the guy who shovels dog poop at the sketchy veterinarian clinic and he sells oxycotton on the side to make et- vet ends meet. He's not gonna be able to like self operate on himself. And like do brain surgery in three minutes in order to survive. Like this isn't happening. Like what I would do for the last three minutes is like, can you just put in a pair of earbuds and play like my favorite jawbreaker song for me (laughs) so I can like die (laughs) listening to that. Like that would make me very happy. I've had a good run. I've led a good life. I don't want to carve my skull open and die in unbearable pain. Because I'm not going to be able to do it. What if they played the rap version of Hello Zeb instead? Fucking just kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Which John Kramer would would do. Yeah. Um, no, I... But this is the issue that I have with so many traps throughout the whole franchise. There are sprinklings of these traps that he puts these time limits on and it's like, no, these are, you have to have like a skill to be able to execute quickly and properly. And there's no attention paid to that. And of course people are going to die because they're not able to do that. Um, so yeah, it's like being able to, I mean, it goes back to the Valentina trap. Being able to just, like, cut off your leg, that's one thing, right? That's simplistic enough. But to then be able to... Yeah, that's very home, simple. Yeah. yeah. Who but hasn't? To, <laughs> but the added extract bone marrow, like, that's another level. And so, how are you doing it correctly? How, like... Uh, so I, I, well, they claim to be actual doctors. And so he's just throwing that back in their face. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, I think is a piece That's of what it. he's doing. Yeah. That's absolutely it. Mm-hmm. It took me way too long 
to figure out and realize that these traps are all related to different kinds of cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. Like that's very obvious and it took me too long. The only one that doesn't quite seem to be is the blood boardings. Maybe like that's like a blood transfusion or something, but that's the only one that wasn't like a very obvious cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point between the uh, bone marrow transfusion, the brain surgery and uh, radiation. radiation treatment. Very mm-hmm. good catch. What was what you had a note here in the opening MRI as well, yeah. which I really like. So the Saw movies usually open with someone in a trap. And, you know, I think, um, I think that they all do. Like some of them take a little bit longer to get to the point. Like in Jigsaw, there's a little bit of running around before we see Edgar Munson's trial start. But um, Saw X opens with John in an MRI. And I am not saying an MRI machine is the same thing as a jigsaw trap because it's not. But if we're framing it as saw always opens with a trap, here we're seeing John Kramer trapped in his cancer and MRI machines are really scary and claustrophobic. And he, when he gets out of that, when he says this was a long one and you're left with all this uncertainty and you're supposed to stay really still. And so it's like, there are rules that come along with it. Like a trap you, are in this situation because you want to survive. So I was just kind of like, I'm going to count the MRI as the opening trap of Saw 10. Yeah, that, that, I can see that. Um, Insidious, the red door uses the MRI as well and to yes. really good effect as well. They're scary. Like people they do are. not like to be put because you're not going ever going in an MRI for a fun reason. Right. Like there's not a, you know, you're going in there because you're scared something is like seriously wrong with your body and mm-hmm. you're going to get potentially very bad life changing news and just yeah. the claustrophobia that's involved there too. So that's a really good catch. Um, what about the gore factor that's involved in these? Like, is it up to snuff with previous snob movies? I think it's overall less gory. I mean, the bloodboarding accounts for a lot of the gore mm-hmm. that suddenly comes all at once. But I think overall the traps are less gory than many of the other sequels. I think sticking to the idea of there not being a, a certain level of explicit gore, I want to go back to the brain surgery um, trap and see if anyone had any thoughts on the mask. The mask. Yeah. Yeah. When it, when it closes, it's the, uh, yeah, it's the, it's the, um, the statue, um, from the, from the stairs. Ah, Yeah. It's the mask of that. Yeah. Where didn't they, where they were rolling the hearts down the stairway. Is that what they were saying? Yeah. Yeah. And like it is in the movie, they say it's a big tourist destination to go see that statue. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no clue if that's accurate or not, but they tell us that's what it is in the movie. Um, I didn't have a ton of thoughts about the mask. It's it reminded me of the Venus flytrap trap trap from two. Um, So like 
having something close in on your head and kill you is something we've seen before. It looks like he bought earlier in the movie around that statue. We see vendors selling those masks. So I sort of figured he picked one up there and then engineered it into a trap. But I'm curious, Nicole, like what your thoughts are. No, I, I, I guess just my thought of, you know, extra on extra Mm -hmm. had to perform brain surgery and then gets a mask closed on him. I did find it interesting that it echoes something that was very, I think, culturally relevant and important um, because I know there's been a lot of discussion about that as well in talking about this movie. So, yeah, Um, but you don't see anything after it closes. Right. I think um, I'm okay with the traps being less gory because, for one, where we're at in the timeline, like, in Saw 2, they get pretty nasty, but... In the first Saw movie, they're pretty, they're brutal, like burning to death, looking for a combination for a lock is brutal, but it's not gory. And then also the fact that John had to use his travel kit, TSA regulations being what they are, he probably couldn't bring all his best traps outside of Saw HQ. Yeah, it would be tough to do that. Like, it'd be tough to explain the reverse bear trap. Right. Uh, Trying to get that through. Like, do you have to check that? You know, can you make that fit in the the luggage? You know, will it make the weight requirement? You got to get Billy the puppet his own seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't necessarily care so much about explicit gore as much as I do um, the discomfort level. Mm -hmm. And what there is a lot of in these traps is extreme discomfort and physical pain like having to cut off your own leg and then suck out marrow doesn't have to be so much physically gory as it does just really uncomfortable committing brain surgery like i don't necessarily have to see a lot of gore but i can imagine the sounds and the feeling of that and feel very awful same thing like i can imagine like, like you said, Ari, like you go out on the beach on a really hot day and burn really easy. Mm-hmm. I can imagine amplifying that f- feeling by a factor of like 100 and like the blistering yeah. that would be there. Yeah. I don't necessarily need like crazy gore in order to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. What really I like about what I appreciate the most about like the better traps is like discomfort. Like the needle pit trap isn't necessarily a super gory trap right you see those needles like sticking out of amanda's arms and you're like nope do not want any part of that do not want that looks like the worst yeah that's a good point some of the traps that are a favorite to look at aren't necessarily the goriest no should we talk about this movie are we done with traps 
It's a trap. It's not Admiral Akbar. It's a movie discussion we're talking about. <laughs> you so don't have a soundbite for it's a movie discussion, it, do you? Not, not everything is a trap, Admiral Akbar. Why are you so paranoid? I don't get it. We used to have a meme on a message board where it's like, it's a snack with Admiral Akbar. <laughs> God love him. Um, Can I share a humorous anecdote? About to traps. start our movie discussion. No, yes. <laughs> not about traps. So you guys know I like the Fast and the Furious movies a lot, too. What? And I've never yeah, it's a secret. You. So Fast X and Saw X both came out in the same year. And when I found that out, I was very excited. And I kept calling Fast X, Fast 10, your seatbelts, because that would have been such a better name for that movie, right? Like they really missed a trick not calling it Fast 10, your seatbelts. So I just called it that. Underperformed. That's why. (laughs) So to tease me, my husband calls Saw X Saw Ten Your Seatbelts, just to fucking fuck with me. So I just wanted you guys all to know that in my head, this movie is sometimes called Saw Ten Your Seatbelts because it just got put there. I still haven't. I still haven't seen a single Fast and Furious movie. I'm sorry. Sorry. You don't need to apologize. You have a, a fun treat waiting for you if oh, you choose to. There we this go. This is like what I told the director of Hell House that like <laughs> when his movies were supposed to be in Alamo Draft House and it got bumped for the Taylor Swift concert film. I'm like, you mean we could have had this the fall of the we could have had like Barbenheimer Summer and Swell House Autumn? <laughs> and there were just groans. And I think it's very good. It's very good. Uh, Oh, boy. All right. So a lot of directors would go on the press junket and say, the thing about this Saw entry is like part three, it's the emotional one. Part four, it's the emotional (laughs) one. Part five, it's the emotional one. This is the emotional one. It really is the emotional one. We finally did it. We did it, guys. Like, it's Kamala Harris. This is, there's a cut scene in this where, like, Kamala Harris gets on the phone and says, it, Tobin, we did it, John. <laughs> I feel so I feel awful right now. Um, the first, like, 40 to 45 minutes are, like, much different yeah. than any other mm-hmm. Saw movie. Like, I talked a lot about how spiral is different from any of the other saws and i for i think it was either nicole or ari and then brian i think you're to say actually mike it was me how like it's like was <laughs> probably like not different how, how like it was at this is the one that's actually different from any of the other saw movies um how they how this is the one that actually tries and swings for something like much much different because you're following because we've spent so much time saying like why would somebody do something like this why is someone so bitter that they would like put persons through all of this and you actually see it here and Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that it justifies it i'm not saying like oh that makes sense but i think you gain a lot more this movie does make you want to sympathize for john more so than any of the other saw movies like and i see you making that face nicole you're like no you don't i think you do this movie makes you want to root for john kramer you're definitely meant to root for john in this movie against dr peterson and her uh scooby gang 
Oh, for sure. And I think that they set that up, especially by building that relationship with Carlos um, and having this be a really kind of sweet moment with him. Um, I, I do understand that, but there's also one of the things that I think is really kind of fun that this movie does is that even though you have these moments where you do have this, you know, oh shit, this is, this is someone that's really hurting and going through something. You're also like, he's awful. He is very awful, petty and violent. Um, like he's just sitting in the park sketching like traps and is like, that, I have hobbies. That got <laughs> I have a life coach. <laughs> that got one of the biggest laughs in the theater. Like that made me almost fall out of my chair. Cause like you have like the light music playing and he's just there enjoying like a nice spring afternoon. And but what's great about that moment is like he throws that out. Like he's designing a trap and he tears it up and he starts like designing a building again. And it's almost like something out of a Farrelly Brothers movie. Like you could see that coming out of like Mel Brooks or a Farrelly Brothers comedy, you know, that type of moment. Um, But I'm thinking too is like the, you know, in, in Jigsaw, like John says, like it can never be personal. You can never go after someone and make it personal. All of these crimes are very, all of the victims here, it's very personal because what happens in this movie is Peterson takes away hope. I, 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 I have spent years looking for this poem and I can't find it. But back in high school, I have a distinct memory of my junior year English teacher, brother Ernie, reading this poem to us of a man chasing the sun and never being able to catch it and someone telling him like you're never going to catch it like the sun is always moving over the horizon and the person chasing it like screaming at this person and you're when you first read it you're like well this man's a fool but you realize like this man has hope and you never take away a person's hope like when you do that when you remove hope you're removing the last thing a person has and like that has stuck with me that idea has stuck with me now for over 30 something years. Don't take away hope that's been removed from John. And that is why he is the way he is. Like now that that is gone, you see this deflation of him. Um, When he walks into that warehouse and that fluorescent light is just kind of like blinking back and forth. And he realizes he's been duped. He's been hoodwinked his whole like bell's whole posture changes. Mm-hmm. It's hard. You know, what's coming, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, it's like watching a Hulk Hogan wrestling match in the eighties. He's going <laughs> to Hulk up, wag the finger, deliver the three punches, the big boot and the leg drop, you know, Kramer's going to Kramer. Um, but you also really feel for this guy. And for the first time in the franchise, I'll admit, I was like, you fucking get yourself some traps, John. You trap these motherfuckers. You do that. But a character that we haven't talked about is really, I think, the character that gives him 
the initial hope that this is an option and could work. Mm-hmm. And that is Henry. We will. We'll talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about that scene. That's a good idea. What Talk about Henry's introduction. So in the beginning, as I think, Mike, you explained, is kind of like on Golden Pond with Jigsaw. Um, we have him going to a support group um, for cancer patients. I think most of them in the support group have been diagnosed as being terminal. And Henry is one of the individuals in the support group. And the scene is very short, um, but, you know, Jigsaw, John kind of reacts to Henry sharing. Months later, time passes, and Jigsaw crosses paths with Henry um, while just kind of out and about, I think, uh, getting food and coffee. And Henry introduces John to this whole scam and shows him a scar and says, I went and had the surgery and I was like, it's healed me. I'm now in remission and everything is great. I'm doing really well. And John just kind of like lights up at this because this is a lifeline, the lifeline that he wanted. When that happened, when Henry, by the way, what a nice coffee shop. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, it was like, you see a little bit of Saw City, like, oh, there are parks and a really nice coffee shop. And the hospital actually looks pretty nice, like Saw City, a city on the move, a city on the rise. (laughs) Much better than Cleveland. Um, when when, When Henry goes and buys himself that scone and just happens to bump into John Kramer, terminally ill cancer patient, you're like, oh, that motherfucker's in on this, right? Because you, you know where the story's going. You did not think for a second that, like, Henry was, like, on the straight and narrow, right? So I actually, as the gullible one on the pod, mm-hmm. uh, thought it was possible because I don't know. Like, so we meet Cecilia Peterson, who's the doctor who's running the grift on John. But Henry says that her dad, Finn Peterson, did the surgery, and so I was like, well, what if Finn Peterson is the real deal and Henry really had this treatment, but his daughter's running a scam based off. So like, and I, the movie doesn't ever answer that in terms of how much is Finn Peterson the real deal or not. But I wasn't sure Henry was a part of it. And, but obviously everybody else thought that. So I was just being super gullible. Well, let me interject here. I, <sighs> I did not follow sort of the pre-production leaks of this movie that we discussed earlier. So I didn't know that it was going to be, hey, this is about him getting scammed. So I actually followed through. I I had my feelings about it, uh, that it was probably a scam, but I wasn't sure, uh, to be honest. So I I was actually, when, when it turned out to be one, 
And when he goes back and he finds that, you know, the videos and all that stuff, I thought, oh, okay. So it was a scam, but I wasn't necessarily thinking that all the way through that. Okay. So maybe I was uh, even more gullible, more naive, perhaps, um, you know, an innocent lamb going to the <laughs> saw slaughter. Uh, and because I, I just didn't. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I, I was simply not, uh, I just wasn't paying attention because I was like, I, I'm going to go see it. I don't want, I don't want to know a bunch of stuff. I didn't even yeah. watch the trailer before I saw it. Okay. So yeah. Oh, I did see a trailer before I saw it. Now that I think of it, because I went and I just, saw something else, and they had a trailer for Saw. I just but felt that's the knowing only time. how movies work, like <laughs> the guy that I, you know that is true. Right. That is, you, you, you know, know, the guy that uh, <laughs> I just never happened to be at the group for terminally ill cancer patients. Like, yeah. happens to bump into another in this whole giant ass city happens to bump into the other guy who is terminally ill cancer and tells him about mm-hmm. this like hypothetical surgery that could save his life. And knowing that like, it's a saw movie and people yeah. are going <laughs> to die. I'm like, I bet this guy is not on the up and up. Um, You're better at watching movies than yeah. I am. Like. I, I tend to go into movies trying to forget everything I know about movies. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kidding, but you know, it's. But I, I guess I do approach some movies like Saw, etc., as ones where I'm not looking for the twists. Mm-hmm. I've said that before. I'm not looking for different things. So I think I tend to enjoy them quite a bit, just because I go in for the ride. And so maybe that's why I like Spiral and that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just along for the ride with this one too. There's criticism that people are like, well, you're rooting for John Kramer in this. You're rooting for the bad guy. And I don't want to do that. I don't think it's any different than most horror franchises. Like you get to like Halloween (laughs) four, no one's rooting for Sasha Jenkins. No one's rooting for Buster Rhymes and Halloween resurrection. Right. (laughs) You get to like the Elm Street movies and you're cheering for Freddy Krueger. Yep. Right. Like this is like, I get it's a little bit different because you get to, you know, John Kramer's like an actual human being and not like a zombie or a dream demon did have an idea where this franchise could go. As we're talking, you had Hannibal rising with like young Hannibal Lecter, the young adventures of, a young John Kramer as an Eagle Scout. Eagle Scout John Kramer building traps as a kid. Oh my goodness. Give it to me on Disney Plus. Yes, please. Like a more murderous Disney Plus TV (laughs) show. Okay. But you're rooting for John Kramer. That is just where like, by the time you get to the 10th movie in a series, like you're coming to these because you're you're rooting for the bad guy. That's Mm -hmm. just the way horror movies work. I'm sorry. Well, Well, and go ahead, Nicole. Well, and to do this, like this is Saw 10. Like we've had discussions about how John will sit there and say, well, I don't murder people. They die at their own hands essentially because they don't have the will and to then after we have spent so much time in that kind of mental space with this character 
and then revert back and say, no, we're going to cast him in a more sympathetic light. We're going we're gonna to get you back a little bit more into John Kramer's roots and make you feel a little bit more um, kind of caring towards him. And like you kind of understand why he makes a few of his choices. I think it's a pretty bold choice. This isn't like film two of the franchise where we haven't had to sit mm-hmm. With his bullshit. No. This is 10. Where we've really had to sit with his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Part of it is because Bell's performance is so strong in selling how ill he is. And you're watching like an older man. Like Ariel, you said, like sometimes the pain comes in waves. Mm-hmm. And it's not just him telling the audience this. He really shows the audience this. Mm-hmm. Like just watching him lie on the couch or just watching him try to recover. Um, and also the way his face lights up at lines like, well, what will I do after the recovery? Like what happens next? And when he hears the line, well, you're, the, the rest of your life happens. Like Mm -hmm. that look, that glimmer of hope that happens despite the pain that he's in is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard not, no even knowing what you know, it's kind of hard not to root for that person. And I kind of feel like in a way to get a little meta, you're rooting for Tobin Bell, the performer, because you're like, damn, I love that this guy has this role and he's made it his own. And, you know, I want to see him keep doing these movies because he's just so good at it. I feel that this complaint, like when people are framing a complaint as I don't want to feel sympathy for the bad guy, um, it makes me feel baffled because Mm -hmm. I feel like for years, everybody was on Jigsaw's side. Horror fans were like, yeah, Jigsaw has this morality and he's not a serial killer. And like, I was the one being, and not not the only one, but I was someone who was like, nah, I don't buy it. And now all of a sudden I'm kind of like, cool. Yeah. I finally get on board with Jigsaw and the horror conversation is no, we don't sympathize with him anymore. I'm like, what has happened? Like, it feels like the early aughts again, where people are finding reasons to shit on Saw, but that's just a Which little is editorial. Funny because like this is the most well liked, best reviewed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like at an eighty four on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't necessarily an arbitrator, but it is <laughs> wild because like yeah. the average rating is somewhere in the twenties or thirties. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's almost like people are, and when people are review it, they're like baffled that they like it. They're like, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I really like this movie. Yeah. Because it's pretty fucking dope. I also think what part of the reason why you like Jigsaw so much is he actually has an adversary. Like his adversary in this movie isn't some random dude in a slipknot t shirt screaming, get me out of this trap, please. (laughs) Um, You know, which like there's only so much of that you can take. And it's not um, uh, chunky. It's 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 not. Oh God! Why why am I 
it's not you chunky said it doctor, earlier it's not chunky dr gordon you know trying to deliver like a bad american accent um while cheating on his wife it's like a real villain a real intellectual and mercenary adversary mm-hmm. in dr celia peterson like she is every bit john's equal and we haven't had that like hoffman is not an equal to john right. hoffman is just like a big galoot that is just <laughs> you know you look at john you look at hoffman and you're like can you wipe your shoes and you like <laughs> coming to my house like hoffman is the guy that drinks the last beer or eats like you buy yourself your a special snack and he eats it and looks at you with his mouth full and it's like what you know just empty cereal box back in the cupboard (laughs) my god he is so that devon is so mad right now devon is screaming devon is like screaming um hoffman's a dope yeah i mean like there's just he's a goon yeah, we love him. And yeah. I I will admit, like, I was super stoked at the I never thought this would happen. I and I'm was, like, there's my big chalky boy. At I the was end so of happy to see Hoffman. You know? I thought I've never been so happy to see Hoffman in my like, life. Hey, you know, but but here you get like a real villain, mm-hmm. a real match for Kramer. Mm-hmm. And that is something you've never seen. And it makes Kramer kind of puts him up a notch at this point. Yeah. So what are, what are your thoughts on Doctor Peterson? I mean, um, this is a real villain because I mean, you think about you know the empathy. If you can, if you're going to sympathize with someone like John Kramer, you got to have an adversary that is mm-hmm. really freaking nasty and someone who is. Um, preying on uh, people who are so vulnerable and so desperately in need of hope like this. That's uh, so despicable. I mean, just the way that, that someone, you know, uh, just that doing this for their own self aggrandizement and, you know, completely destroying the hope of, of these people in the process. It's just horrifying. Um, so, I mean, and you put in here that now we have a rope thing. I mean, the the fact that, I mean, she's just so cold, you know, um, that, okay, we're just going to rip out these intestines and use them as a rope and no big deal. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something to see. I, I think she's, she's quite a, quite a character. So why do you think she doesn't just kill them? Like, I don't, that is what is, what baffles me is like, why not, why go through the whole charade? Like, there's a couple things she could do. Like, they could actually do a small incision and stitch it back up, and that would buy them, like, a longer cover time. Why not either do that or just kill him and then Mm -hmm. dump the body in some desert in mexico and who would be the wiser like she's out of there like no one from mexico is gonna extradite her when she's back in iceland or switzerland or whatever right um why go through the whole 
that's what what really strikes me is the added level of cruelty that he's going to wake up and and know that this happened to him. I think what's fascinating though about what you just said is that she's obviously like in the process of recruiting people to be part of this to get their money. Um, because I think at one point we see her on the phone with someone else um, giving the exact same spiel that she gave to John. At some, like, you cannot run this grift for an extended period of time. This is on a timer because people will know, people will find out, and they will find out quickly because they're executing this extremely poorly because you're exactly right you do a small incision you make a stitch you follow through with the act so that people think that oh well this this happened and i'm okay until they're not okay so i don't know like she is smart but she, I don't, I, I guess I don't understand the long game for her because this is not something that you can extend. No, you asked why doesn't she kill them? Um, as evil as she is, she might not want to be a murderer. Um, I think that is like... Taking people's money and taking away their hope is very, very fucked. But, like, murder is even worse. So, like, maybe she doesn't want to take it that far. I also wonder if... And I know, I I broke Nicole. Um, I'm also thinking about, like, if she murders... she She's targeting rich people because they're the ones who can pay. And so, like, if they go missing... Perhaps it's people are going to come look for them mm-hmm. versus if she takes a rich person's money and then disappears, how hard are they going to chase her down for it? Like what legal recourse will they have versus if she's piling up bodies, there's definitely legal recourse. So I don't know. I actually didn't really think about this question until you brought it up. So those are just kind of my thoughts off the top of my mm-hmm. head about that. No, she's, she's a killer. She's a killer kind of rooted in the same way that John Kramer is a killer. Hmm. She's she's kind of uh, I mean, you have these people that are going to her thinking that they have a cure. And they are prolonging getting treatment, following up with their their physicians, doing their proper medical care because they think that they've gotten this miracle cure. Thus, putting them in dire straits. Um, Now, granted, these are people, we know very little about, I guess, other people that she may have grifted, but maybe she's only doing this to terminal patients. Um, I believe she is. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just because these are people that are desperate. These are people yeah. that are at the end of their rope. Like there is no tr- other treatment that will help them. So therefore, it's like terminal, like ultra experimental. 
Yeah, but I still think that she, much like John Kramer says, no, these are people who die because they don't have the will to live. Mm -hmm. I think she's thinking, well, these are people who are going to die anyway, so I might as well fleece them while they're alive because you can't take it with you. And I still, like, no, she's still a murderer because there's still, I don't know, she's cutting their lifespan shorter. And there's something that John says in part six, like when he's talking with uh, the healthcare man, he's like, the thing that keeps people alive is hope. Like you're not factoring that into your equation. Like you're not factoring in man's will to live. That's not in your equation whatsoever. And what she does is she takes that away. So like you have this surgery with most people, you would have this surgery, you would find out it's a grift and you would wither on the vine and die. Like that is probably what happens with most people. I would, you know, if if this was like an actual, if this was like, I, I would love to dig into the data on something like this and do like a psychological study and say like, what is the time frame of a person having this done to them, discovering that it was a ruse and then finding out uh, and then dying once they found out that it was fake versus um, let's say they had an incision done or there was some sort of surgical scar that was delivered where they thought they actually had an operation done and the cancer was removed. What would the length of time of survival be before they passed? And mm-hmm. I bet there would be a fairly marked difference that would be measurable and would be um, outside of the realm of error at that point. Because like what you would have there is that idea of hope that idea uh, uh, that life can be sustained at that point. And I bet that would be there. There's like that real psychological construct, that will to live would be there at that point. I would love to see that because that's just how my, my own brain works. And you not only get that diabolical side of it, she has her own lair. I mean, that fucking house with the cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. She has minions. She has that great line. Where she's like, well, now we have a rope. Like she's quick on her think. <laughs> she's using, uh, she's using intestines as a rope. Like God love her, and she's alive at the end. And the producers like made it a point to be like, oh yeah, we made it a point to leave her alive at the end because we know, like down the road, we may want to revisit this character. There may be, you know, a Saw Eleven where. Uh, Jake saw may want to go up against her again. So hmm. I don't think it would be outside of the realm of possibility to see her in the next movie. I don't think that you are going to see her like you're not going to get to saw 14 and she's going to take off the pig mask. And it's like Dr. <laughs> Peterson as a secret. Like there's like, she is not going to become an acolyte of, Jake's all like, I survived the trap and I see the error of my ways. Like, no, this this is her. Uh, I'm not a big um, James Bond person. So now I'm drawing like uh, a like Dr. No, is it? Like, who is the big James Bond villain? I've never Ronald seen Bogans. a single one. Thank you. She's he's not the she's not the she's the Moriarty, the Moriarty. Uh, 
Jeez, God damn it. She is the Van Hessling to Dracula. Okay, that's just what is going on here. All right. Um, I have a lot here. I think on the other side of things, in terms of positive relationships, one of the real strengths of this movie is, I think for the first time, you really see the true bond between John and Amanda, even when Amanda is serving punt, uh, <laughs> you definitely see their relationship as producers and directors wanted you to understand it in the second and third movie, that father daughter bond. I think mm-hmm. that mentor mentee bond is really here. There they do a remarkable job here. Really kind of the only way you can after you have so many movies under your belt and you've worked so long together and you have that passage of time they just slip back into these roles in a really comfortable way right i love every scene that they're both in i it it was really beautiful to see the bond between them and i know that there's two more movies in production that are going to be jigsaw focused but um when Amanda says, I'm not ready to do this without you, and Kramer says, yes, you are, to me that felt like Tobin Bell telling the audience, hey, it's okay, you can go ahead and do Saw without me now. And like, I would be okay if this was Tobin Bell's last movie. We talked about that a little bit earlier on the pod. But um, like him just encouraging Amanda, being like, yes, you can do this. It, I, Yeah, I just, I like to see it. Yeah. It makes a lot of the, um, I think, small moments between them in three make a lot more sense mm-hmm. as well. So I, I appreciated that because you get a little bit more of that context. And you're like, I understand why Amanda had certain reactions to to certain things and yeah it is it isn't really interesting uh you know dynamic of you know here you have jigsaw with his right hand you have peterson with hers she's ready to lay them out and use them as meat and as an escape Mm -hmm. to where jigsaw is protective and kind of caring of the people that he takes in. Yeah. Especially Amanda. And you can have them disagree in this one. Like they disagree over Gabriella in particular. Like yeah. you see Amanda become like very, like even when, like towards everyone else, she's like pure bitch. She's like, mm-hmm. fuck off. Like you need to listen to him. And it's really funny because like, we know that like, even though this takes place between one and two and there have not been that many games yet, mm-hmm. Brian, you doing okay over there? Yeah, I'm fine. I was just, okay. <laughs> even though there have been a little bit, not, uh, there haven't been like too many games yet. Like we've seen nine movies of this shit, you know? So we know what's coming and she's like, you need to shut up and listen. And if you're going to survive this, like she is like in Shawnee Smith is just like, she's been itching 
to play the role this way. Like you really feel it here. Yeah. Um, and I really love it. But with Gabriella, she's like feels that empathy for her. Like, cause this is what she survived. Like mm-hmm. this is a fellow addict. This is a person who, and look, here's something I'm for. I am all for movies taking a very long break from using drug addiction as a way to as a shorthand for punishing characters like how about we treat drug addiction as a uh, mental illness issue and a treatment issue and not something that is seen as a moral failing and something mm-hmm. that uh, is shorthand for like this is a bad person uh, right okay I would let's do that for a while Um <laughs> So you see them disagree over it, but it doesn't become like John saying, oh, well, now I have to set Amanda up in another game because I can't trust her. And that was my point a few weeks back where I was like, well, what if the timeline is broken and now like John and Amanda and Hoffman, like now they have picnic lunches together and they plan their games and they all get along and come on be instead you replace hello zep like at the end of every saw movie instead of hello zep come on be happy is the reveal music at the end <laughs> like how amazing would that be i'm not sure what that would be that would be amazing well, if you say so you'd be there i mean i would be and you'd be like mike was right i maybe you'd be mike was right and then you know what would happen it's a trap Oh and then God. we'd have to cover it on the pod. Yes. Um, no, I, I do love, though, with Amanda that we do get a much thicker, I think, development mm-hmm. that weaves. Because I think in two, we don't, like, she's not interacting with John. Mm-hmm. So we don't get truly what that dynamic is stemming from. Then we're plopped into three, and she's acting like his petulant child. Yes. And so I love that this not only fills in gaps for two, but also a bit of three. It's I, I think that that's something that's so well done and interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had something here. And I forget, so I can't wait to edit this. Um, Oh, it kind of ties into how funny this movie is. It wouldn't be a Saw movie if you see Commander is the one that is basically kidnapping everybody and bringing everyone to the murder house because like John is very sick. Mm-hmm. you wouldn't be a saw movie if that didn't happen and wouldn't you know it we have like a flashback to things that just <laughs> happened five minutes ago like yes, we really my favorite. That. like that is amazing like the like i don't know if the filmmakers think the audience is like just really dumb like if we don't show this and explicitly say that was Amanda. If everyone's going to be like, what? It was a girl? Um, or It's just, just the editing is part of the... It's, it's part, part of the, of the, of the whole thing now. This movie is like really funny. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about like that moment where John's like sketch traps after he thinks he's cured. Um, 
there's this whole conversation with John and Dr. Celia where they're kind of bonding with one another. Mm-hmm. And she's like, so what do you do for work? And he's like, well, I'm kind of like, oh, you're kind of like a life coach. He's like, something like that. He's like, I try to make people see the error of their ways and make better decisions with their life. And it's like wickedly funny in it a way is. that like, these are people that like part of like having these persons that have been with the friend, like you can tell that these are things they joke about when the yes. cameras are off. Like a man, uh, a Shawnee Smith is kind of channeling like Bette Davis and Joan Crawford later in their career. Like she's at, at the age now that they would have been when they're going full vamp mode in their career she's channeling a little bit of that in her performance like she's just going for it mm-hmm. um and they're both giving great performances like i'm not saying come february that you're gonna hear like best actor nominees leonardo dicaprio for killers and killian murphy for oppenheimer and tobin bell for <laughs> jigsaw but they are great performances all around um, that's the world i want to live in it really is um maybe the animatronic puppet for five nights at freddy's will get nominated (laughs) that's gonna make 50 million dollars this weekend that is cuckoo bananas what a world yeah what a world we live in my kids are dying to see it yeah (laughs) well and there are fights breaking out over it too i saw that like what you know fights in movie theaters at five nights at freddy's um that because that's coming out on Peacock as well, so you could just watch it at home and fist fight. Um, <laughs> we have fist fight at home. Yeah, we have, and that's what I just roundhouse kick a child. Um, okay, we have to talk about this portion of it. There is some controversy with this movie in that it's been pointed out by others, not me. Because I, this is what I tend to sleep on, is like the symbol, the symbolism of like having two white protagonists, one being a fairly wealthy white male doing some medical tourism in Mexico and basically punishing the hired help that all happen to be persons of color, while the white woman who, one, orchestrates the whole scheme, two, is a member of the 1% in three exploits the labor of the persons of color also gets away with the, the end that like, there's a criticism that what we're watching here for close to two hours are Mexican men and women exploited and then tortured and then killed by white protagonists. And there is enough of that and we don't need it. Um, how valid of a criticism do we feel this is and how aware of that are we when we're watching this movie? Well, I am also a white person. And so like, I think I don't want to say that this criticism is invalid for anybody who watched it and felt that because i might not know how that feels i can never know exactly how that feels and it kind of reminded me of what i was saying last time when we talked about spiral about how 
Angie Garza's hot wax trap Mm -hmm. feels sort of sexist to me. And, you know, we talked a lot about that, but like, I am sure it wasn't intended by the filmmakers. It may or may not have been intended by Shank when he put her in that trap, but probably not. It's more so a thing of like, over the years of my life, watching women be put in situations that sort of trigger the same feeling to me. I can't look at that trap and not think about that. And so if anybody, a person of color in particular, is watching this movie and going, you know what, I can't look past right now that I see white people killing brown people. And like, that's just, I've seen so much of that in my life that that's what I'm seeing right now. Even if the movie didn't intend it, even if the characters didn't intend it, Like, that is still something that is happening on screen in front of us in real time. And I think that is important to think about whether or not it was intended that can send a really different message. It's kind of been my take on it as I'm thinking through it. I don't know if that I have anything to add to that. Uh, Well said. I agree. I think that it's, it is something that you think about um when seeing the movie because it is very much you know you have these white people and and we have to include amanda in that mix as well Mm -hmm. that are really the ones you know causing the death and you know you mentioned the medical tourism aspect And there is a notion of that in the film because obviously that's its basis, right? Like this guy is going to a foreign country to get this treatment. What's interesting about that aspect is that I think when we think about the most exploitative depictions and understandings of medical tourism, it's really about like the bodies of the people in these countries matter less. So Mm -hmm. harvesting organs, transfusions, things like that, it doesn't matter. Um, I can pay X amount as opposed to what I'd pay here. I mean, obviously there's also commentary about how fucked up our healthcare system is to make those things available for folks. But, um, I don't know. It's, it does, it does leave kind of a bad taste in your mouth, but I think at the same time, going back to the conversation that we had before, we really don't get a sense of like what the protocol of Dr. Peterson is. Is she just like going from place to place? Yes. So that she's harder to track. Yes. And she's just trying to get people that are in that location. Yes. So, you know, on that hand, it that's no. She's doing all those things. Like she's not in any one spot. Exactly. So I think that that kind of changes some of that tone a bit as well. Mm -hmm. I I think the criticism there is like she's the one that suffers the least at the end. And the argument you make is she's the most interesting character. You leave her alive because like, what a great foil for the next movie. 
And then the restorative justice aspect of it is like, well, that's the character that quote unquote should be punished because they're causing and inflicting the most damage. The we're telling a creative story and we're not necessarily doing social and restorative justice is like, I just want to tell a goddamn story. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I, I actually think the whole thing is like some insight into Peterson. She hires the staff in the place where she goes. So it makes sense that she hires Mexican people when she's in Mexico, but she sees them as disposable. Mm -hmm. And would she see them as disposable if they were the same race as she? I don't know. Like that. We have no clue about Peterson. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, But either way, she sees the staff that she hired as disposable. And that's definitely an indictment on her. Like she pushes them all she talks them all through their traps um but she clearly didn't care whether they lived or died like when she's trying to lie her way out of it she doesn't care if she's saving them as well or not and so like I mean, she thanks john for killing them cuz she's like i get to keep their share like i was mm-hmm. gonna, i think she even says as much like i was going to dispose of them anyway so i can keep their share yeah like, that's right that's right and so i think like more so than the movie, you know, did this racist thing. It's more like Peterson is this piece of shit. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. Who also maybe is racist and um, devaluing lives of people of color and people in, you know, different countries than where she's from. And like, I think there's something to that in saying like, this whole thing is about how the character feels. And she survives because, um, like John saves her for last. He has this plan with her to go up to like do this big reveal with Parker. It's not like she survives because she doesn't have to go through traps. She does. Um, She's also sort of used to getting away and like finding her way out of things. So it didn't feel like unreal to me that she survived at the end. Yeah. So I found I sometimes get weary of of criticisms like this because and I get weary of criticisms like this when they come from persons that look like me from other white people, Mm. because I find that we live in an age right now where a lot of persons make criticisms like this because I think they often get used for clout rather than critique Mm. Um, where we live in an online, we, we live in a world of social media and absolutes where it's like, I'm making a bold statement. This is what I'm saying. If you don't agree with it, you're on the wrong side of history. How dare you? Uh, if you are to the right of me, then you're an absolutely horrible person and you should be just disposed of and nothing you have to say has any value whatsoever. Look at me, I'm virtual signaling. Um and I, I just sometimes get very weary of persons that are like, look at the statement I'm making and look at the mural, moral purity that I have. But then I find statements that have a lot more nuance to it and actually have some like very smart, nuanced, decent criticism to say. And I found this review uh, on Dread Central from Mary Beth McAdams. From this is a person I have like a lot of respect for. She's the editor in chief there, as well as running the Scarred for Life podcast. Uh, a friend of our show, um, 
someone I don't know super well, but I would consider like a, a casual friend through like podcasting and whatnot. It has let me write for her site before and has accepted my weird pitches now and again. And she always has like just these kind of like takes that go just a step deeper than that, that just make a bit more sense. I'm like, okay, this makes me think of a bit different. And I found this bit right here where it's not just about the fact that the victims are persons of color. Now I'll just read this little excerpt from it. So the review is mostly positive. Um, but at the end it says here in a film set very explicitly in Mexico city, there's a white woman using labor in poor countries. It's difficult to ignore the power dynamics at hand. Diago, Valentina, Gabriella, and Mateo are all shown in various stages of financial desperation with Diego driving taxis, Valentina doing sex work, Gabriella spending all her money on drugs, and Mateo selling drugs from the animal shelter where he works. These are all people who are taking on a job because they need to survive. Yes, scamming terminally ill people is horrific. There's no doubting that. But perhaps the film could have more thoughtfully grappled with who is truly responsible for the atrocities here, rather than torturing brown characters for almost two hours. With this being a Saw movie, you may not think that it needs to be deeper than bad guys getting theirs in increasingly creative and disgusting ways, and really it doesn't need to be. But in making certain narrative choices, writers Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger emphasize their conscious choice to place a bevy of white characters in a non-white country and wreak havoc. And I think there are two really good points there. Um, that make me think like that's actually really smart. Number one, it's not just the fact that like it's white persons committing white and brown crime, but it's an economic, it's the economic disparity. Like mm -hmm. John Kramer's like, I'm rich bitch type of wealthy. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I always undercut my smart points with shitty humor. Why do I do this? Um, Kramer is is someone coming from immense wealth and privilege, and mm -hmm. he's able to he never stop. And we've talked about this before. The persons he targets are often in desperate situations. Yeah. Um, people don't steal necessarily because it's fun. People steal because they are in a place of need. I had this conversation at the place I work recently with one of the administration. I'm like, this person who's taking extra lunches, I don't know if you know this, they don't have a home right now. Like they're staying with relatives. There's not a lot of food there. I'm getting them some groceries to bring home. That's why they're grabbing some extra food. Um, maybe don't yell at them and send them to the office during lunch. There's a reason why. Like they're not doing it because they just want like extra tacos because it's fun to take them. They're doing it because like there's insecurity there. And that's what's going on here. All of these people are that are getting tortured are coming from a place of great economic insecurity. And maybe, you know, if everybody was on the same economic, like if Diego was like actually a doctor that like mm -hmm. didn't do the surgery, maybe, okay, hack away at him at that point. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's about power. Yeah. And then the and other... 
Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, well, go ahead. No, you. you I, I just rambled on there. After <laughs> I said in the Slack, like, I'm not going to talk much tonight. No, you're doing just great. Um, I, I think many, many of the situations in the Saw movie are about who has the power. And um, some Saw movies are about taking the power back. I think the people with the power at first in the, in saw 10 continue to have the power throughout, but um, the power comes from different places and different points of privilege. So yes, the color of the skin being one of the things, but I think it's a really great point um, that there's also economics at play and also um, being outside of the United States. I think sometimes, and I'm, I can do this too. Like, it's hard sometimes for people in the United States to think outside the United States. And Peterson is not from the United States and she's going to a country that's not in the United States. And so I want to allow that there are a lot of factors at play that I'm also not aware of. So I just think like this movie's about power and the power comes from a lot of different places. Well said. Well, I, I mean, I agree with all of that. And I think that, Obviously, Mary Beth made some really brilliant points, especially about the power dynamic. I think that one thing that's also really interesting is that we don't, you know, yes, at its very base, Saw is supposed to be about bad people getting theirs. But we do realize through the traps that these are people who are at real struggle points in their life. And that's kind of the point of them being in the traps is that John wants to get them to a different place so that they can rise above. We've talked about this kind of a bullshit mentality, but um, we don't get that necessarily with these characters. We don't get, I mean, I think that, Peterson is exploiting them in much a similar way that John exploits his victims. But with his victims, we get a little bit more grit. We understand how that power dynamic plays out. We don't understand what conversations Peterson, or we don't get the context of the conversations that Peterson has had with these folks to say like, I know that you're in a, a difficult spot, but, you know, you can get some money if you exploit these terminally ill folks. Like, yes, that's shitty, but how how does this play out? Um, and what does she do to really get them on board? Mm-hmm. I thought it was just interesting to bring up. Um, and I found that take of all that I've read, the more nuanced of it, it was deeper than just, uh, oh, another white guy going in. Um, There was more going on there. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in 2023, uh, more than just like straight up reductive, uh, simple takes at this point. So, So, yeah. Brian, are we getting that kind of inside and bloody disgusting or do I have to go to? Well, it's there. The... It's there. Okay. I just, just uh, making you know, sure. I, uh, I, I just don't making know. sure. Just <laughs> put you in the spot. 
Are you? I just haven't been put, writing it because I'm not that okay. insight. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm, wow. So. <laughs> not to put you on the spot, but are, are you allowed to say nice things about Dread Central at Bloody Disgusting? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm we're kidding. Very, I'm joking. Of course, totally of course we are. Joking. I know. I yeah. totally know. Um, we're not at ghouls. Jen Adams writes for both sites. That wasn't fact, always so. the case, I don't. I believe. Let's I know. End on I know. A high at ghouls, note. we spit on all the yeah. other publications. Wow. As you should. No, I mean, as you should. <laughs> no, every uh, really And then a high yeah, note. I, I, I've always liked just sort of the positive vibe. John said when I first wrote, said, hey, if you've got anything that, that, can for wherever you write for you know just let me know if you want a mm-hmm. little signal boost so, so um, yeah he's real cool about that um, sort of stuff. let's let's end on a quick high note we get a little this is a very fan servicey movie like obviously yes. bring in tobo let's bring in like yeah. we get our big chunky boy back we get jigsaw's <laughs> large adult son back <laughs> at the end of this movie or as stefan um, would say his sassy gay Stepdad, it's it's chunky adult son. It really large adult son is what he is, and not only that, he's funny. And this, like for the first time, like I I kind of again, Hoffman is the kind of guy that you always like. Do you have some like schmutz on your face? Like you always (laughs) want to hear. It's just like it's hilarious that they're like. They're teaming up for the first time. Like they're actually kind of like wonder twinsing it up and working together. Um, and Hoffman gets this great, you know, like they're in. So bringing it full circle. Ari, do you want to set the scene? Set I the would scene. love to. I do would this. love to. Take us so home. It's a, Take it's a mid-credit scene. <laughs> it's a mid-credit scene. So, you know, you sit there a little bit, you watch all your favorite names go by Kevin Grutter, Charlie Clouser, Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith. And then we see the lights flicker in the original disgusting bathroom. It's so blue and grimy. And I was so excited to see it because there it is. It's where it all began. And the lights are flickering just like the, the start of the first movie. And Henry Kessler is hanging there, having been trapped by um, John and Hoffman. And they're te- they're explaining to him like, yeah, we where's where's your scar now? Like, we know you were a part of this. And Hoffman says to him, of all the people in the world you could have crossed, you picked John Kramer. I call that some epic bad luck. <laughs> And it's just so hilarious. Good. It's because so good. Who is Hoffman to be saying epic anything? We've yeah. never heard him talk like that. And is he um, eating? I feel like he's chewing on something at the time. The scenery. The scenery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's just really fun. That is a fun moment because earlier in the movie, um, he Tobin Bell's on the phone and he says, Detective, I need your help locating some people. And I was kind of like, Oh, that's a fun thing for the fans. We know that's Hoffman, but if people haven't seen the other movies, they they don't need to really know what that's about. Like, that's cool. So I wasn't expecting us to see Hoffman, and then we do at the end. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just it was a fun, oh. a fun little like that was the most fan servicey thing that happened, and they yeah. saved it for the credits. So I yeah. think that was okay. The best part, too, I was nervous because it takes place as one and two. Are we going to get Donnie Wahlberg? And we don't get any Donnie Wahlberg. So, so happy. (laughs) So, so happy. 
Saw a 10, I'll be loving you forever for not having <laughs> any Donnie Wahlberg. I think we've done it. We did something. We did something no. tonight. We did something. We came together. My God. I call that epic good luck. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry. For the time being, I mean, we're going to do our, our franchise rankings next, but Saw... We're gonna put we're gonna put the movies themselves really behind us until Saw Eleven when that comes out next year probably. <laughs> I mean, hopefully they're gonna crank this. You know they're gonna like get that machine going. I hope so. I'm ready. Yeah, and they're gonna like. I'm telling you, they're gonna like. You know the story of like of 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 Ted Williams, right? Like he's like cyrogenically sy- frozen. Um, like his like severed head is in a vat somewhere. They're going to revive him one day. Like they're going to do that with Tobin Bell. And every year they're going to like just, Oh, we didn't even say Billy the puppet. Billy the puppet makes an appearance. I just wanted to say like you, like I just, I'm picturing the phone call between John (laughs) and Amanda. Like I need you to pack me some underwear, some socks, uh, and you better bring the puppet. Like, don't forget Billy, bring his little bike. Like, and did Billy, did Billy have slightly different hair? It yeah. seemed a little bit fuller. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a it was young Billy. <laughs> but like, like, he he looks so fresh. Yeah. Don't bring In his salad days. Game is off. Game is <laughs> off. So, just really love that. Just, you know, you had to, because it would not be a Saw movie without that. So, no. um, you're going to have, like, Tobin Bell's head in a jar and they're going to just stick electrodes in it and then it'd be like I want to play a game and it'd be like oh, I want to die <laughs> let me die let me please please let me rest <laughs> all right good on that note yes we need to rest Brian what do you have yeah. coming up uh pretty much the same thing I mentioned in the spiral episode. Uh, so same day as this episode is coming out, uh, movies for life. We have our, uh, 10 ghost movies each. Uh, that is a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, look for that. Excellent. Nicole, what's coming up in bodies of horror? Uh, I'm gonna crib on, uh, my good friend Brian there and say pretty much the same thing that I said <laughs> in Spiral. I don't um, remember what you said in Spiral. Um, so that was days ago. We mentioned <laughs> Mary Beth, but her co-host for uh, Scared for Life is coming on the pod to do an episode. So we're going uh, hard uh, with with some really spectacular guests talking about some really amazing films and getting into some personal stuff. So it's it's a good time. Excellent. Ari. I don't know what goes on. Love <laughs> it. I'm just meant I'm mentally gonna have to emotionally deal with the fact that we did the Saw franchise and that we really did it. So I think I'm just gonna lock myself in a fluorescent bathroom for a few days and just sort of m- meditate through that. Okay. Um when That's I stop choice. doing that though, you can find me on all the socials at Ari underscore Hellraiser. Excellent. And here's what's coming up for us. Like we have the Saw rankings coming up. That'll be our next episode. Then we're going to do Hell House 4, the Carmichael Manor Origins. 
why they it's an amazing movie it's the best since the first one it's very good why they named it that is beyond <laughs> me um then we are going to reward brian for being yes. like a longtime contributor um look at that little and Brian is rewarding our viewers, uh, our listeners of this auto audio, audio <laughs> format by showing us his coffee mug. It's got cool. Is, it's got Frankenstein. It's a motion it's a monster, but it's well, a motion kind of mug. Yeah. Well, is that got, Abbott and Costello? No, no. It's the original. You got the little flaming windmill in the oh, back here. That's oh, very cool. I thought that know, was Bud Carl Abbott. That's the windmill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. And it says it's alive. I got it at Spirit Halloween this year. Very so you cool. too can have it. If <laughs> Spirit, pay us for the plug. Yeah, there you go. Spirit's like, we don't need you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we make money. Like yeah. we over we mark up everything so much that even if we don't sell ninety percent of our junk, we still make a profit. And I buy most of it. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um so we have like the Saw rankings, How House 4, the Karloff Frankensteins. That will carry us into December, which is going to be a bit of a funky month. Uh, we're going to do like a bonus Christmas Day episode. Last year, Brian and I did It's a Wonderful Life, which is still one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I really enjoyed talking with that Brian was a lot about of fun, yeah. one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewie and I are going to do a Muppet Christmas Carol uh, this year, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I can't wait to get into my theories about Michael Caine and P.O.D. and the Muppets. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. We'll do our 2023 top 10 movies. Uh, I need to sit down and start mapping out 2024. Do the wheel. I do. What We need to pick like one big like big franchise that you know one of the foundational franchises that we need to knock off the uh, list psycho that's not a foundational franchise wrong turns a fun wrong turns not gonna get the not gonna get people to throw their underwear on stage psycho might (laughs) living dead the romero dead movies that's one that's in consideration that would be cool can i share something right now that might get people to never listen to the show again. <laughs> oh, Uh-oh. no. I'm not a big Romero guy. Hey, that's been the week show. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> been, the, been the, pendulum. the pendulum. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I just... Um, I don't know. I will edit that part out. <laughs> I like, yeah, that's probably I a good like idea, how Mike. the show's been growing. Um, if we get 50 patrons, then we're going to do Hellraiser. Let's talk about that. So... If you enjoy the show, and if you're three hours plus deep into <laughs> Saw 10, and you don't like our show, then you, sir, or madam, or non-binary person, who we all love equally, and you should love yourself, because you're beautiful and wonderful and deserve love and happiness, are a sadist. Um <laughs> You could improve your quality of life and happiness by joining our patron and by going to patreon.com slash pod in the pendulum. We have all of our bonus episodes. Brian, Nicole, Steven, and I recorded a truly unhinged episode <laughs> last night. I can't where wait. 
we gave our Halloween marathon picks where I just basically made fun of Steven mercilessly for an hour and a half. Because uh, I love gave him me dearly. some shit for my last rate for my last one too. Oh, I, because I broke the rules. I broke the rules. Yes. I was like, "Hey, everybody! For the last movie in the marathon, pick a movie from the Halloween franchise, which is like the easiest task in the world." And you're like, "Oh, here's a movie that's not even tangentially like doesn't even have it takes like an place action. on Halloween." But that was a category from earlier. I know, thing. but I didn't want to put it there. I wanted yeah. to end my end the night with something fun. So that's right. what I did. Okay, yeah, because none of the Halloween movies are fun whatsoever. No. Like those are no. super slogs. No. Uh, hey, I and said I'd pick one of them. I said I mentioned one of them. And but Ari- I had to plug my movie. Ariel Ari- also was- gave her pick. Yep. Just for one slot, though, I couldn't. I didn't have the mental energy to put a whole marathon together. But I was like, "Oh, there's a nasty pick. I'm in." My favorite part was Stephen is like, "I'm gonna pick a movie I've never seen before." (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait for this episode, man. Which was like fantastic. Yeah. So I, I absolutely like loved (laughs) that part of it. So our Patreon is depth. Like, if you think these episodes are loose at times, like. It is absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I will leave in the should I edit this part? Okay. Um, what a fucking day it has been. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for putting up with my bullshit. Um, I'll say really quick. Today has been a really bad day for Mike. Um, it has been a really bad day. I won't go into why. Uh, Because I'll just start crying again. And doing this show brings me so much joy. Doing this show with these particular people brings me so much joy. Um, This show would not exist anymore without Jess and Rachel and Steven and Devon and Nicole and Brian and Ari and Ari in particular for these saw episodes has stepped up in a way that has just been incredible. And I'm embarrassing you all right now because you weren't expecting this. Um, so I apologize. Um, but the part of the pendulum was almost going to go away um, at episode 200. And when I hit 150, I'm like, it's going to go away. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like who needs it? Um, and now I'm like, let's get to 500. Like, let's do it. I'm reinvigorated. And it's because of the people that I get to do the show with every week. Cause I love them dearly. Um, I am just going to say, do not feel too old or too cool or too jaded to tell your friends that you love them and you can't wait to see them again. Um, do that as often as you can. And yeah, that's all I'll say. And I love you guys. And um, I don't know what big franchise we're doing next, but happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, get some super good candy. And uh, we will be back with our franchise rankings uh, very, very soon. So thanks very much. And wait, Joe, Mike, we did wait, it. we we love you too. Thank you so much. <laughs>
And we need to do a super big game over for the end of the franchise. All right. One, two, <laughs> three. Game, game over. over. It's a trap. God damn it. I will respect all of your votes right now. Do I need to edit this idea out of the episode right now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Probably. Two yes. All right. I will edit this part out. <laughs> Maybe it's our post credit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. This is the post credit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe post-credit not. Post credit should just be Mike saying, "Should I edit this out?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everybody's thinking. Yes. Nicole, I think that is brilliant. Okay. That's really funny.